The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 39. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor, a.k.a. Stan Leroy, a.k.a. Barack O'Comics. This week's episode, Shane Kelly from Comic Geek Speak and the World of Toys podcast stops by as we both discuss some of our favorite Star Wars toys of yesteryear and today, as well as go in-depth on the current vintage collection that's out on the toy shelves right now. So, you know, go ahead and pull out your old At-At and Snowspeeder and go have some fun with Boba Fett. And after that, we're going to have a roundtable geek discussion with Chad Burdett, Ian Levenstein, Raf Suhu, Micah Griffin-Lundy, and John Carroll as we discuss some of our favorite beer, because geeks get their drink on from time to time, too. And then we're going to have a little discussion about what we do and don't like in comics right now. So have a listen to that, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. But before we get to our feature presentation, there's something I want to talk to you about real quick. As many of you know, uh, those who follow PKDmedia.com or um, avid listeners of the PKD Black Box uh, Podcast Network know, I have stepped down as a manager of operations with PKD Media to take on a role of president of Action Lab Entertainment. Now, Action Lab Entertainment is a newly formed comic book and media company formed by a couple of uh, small press and independent uh, comic book creators such as Dave DeWanch, uh, Sean Gabarin, and uh, Chad Ciccone and a few others, and uh, my job is to help steer the ship. Uh, Dave serves as creative director, Sean Gabrin serves as editor-in-chief, and Chad is one of the artists on uh, one of our upcoming books, actually our first major project, which is called Fracture, which is due out next year. That is going to be a comic book that's going to be out in the direct and digital markets. Um, We're going to have all types of books, uh, both on the direct, digital, and uh, niche side as well. And we'll go more in depth with that as time goes along. But right now, my job as president, uh, my first job as president of Action Lab Entertainment is to help us raise $3,600 to be able to print, publish, and solicit the first issue of Fracture. Um, what we've done is we've ha- we have a Kickstarter fundraiser on kickstarter.com. And if you go to kickstarter.com and in the search header type Action Lab, two separate words, Action Lab, and hit enter, you will see our fundraiser for the Fracture project. It's called Action Lab Entertainment Presents Fracture. And there it has a video describing the comic uh, Fracture, as well as underneath the video, a description of what Action Lab Entertainment's all about, what Fracture is all about, and all the goodies you can receive if you choose to donate to our fundraiser for Fracture Issue 1. Um, what, we've, what we've done is the donation tiers start as low as $1. However, if you donate $10 or more, you can actually receive rewards for your donations, such as Action Lab Entertainment buttons, uh, sketch cards, original art, uh, head sketches, uh, full, full sketches, pages of original art from Fracture Issue 1, or pages from other uh, Action Lab projects that are currently being worked on right now, paintings, uh, CDs, numbers of things. So, and those donation ranges go from $10 and up. 
So if you go to kickstarter.com, uh, kickstarter.com, type Action Lab in the search header, you'll see our project and our video. If you feel that we're up to snuff, we would more than appreciate a donation. But uh, my job as president of Action Lab Entertainment uh, serves, as I said before, to steer the ship and to make sure that we don't sink <laughs> in, our, in our first year of operation. So uh, wish us luck. Now, um, as time goes along, because the fundraiser runs until January 14th, and the way Kickstarter fundraisers work, it's like this. We have it until a set date to raise $3,600. And if we don't hit that goal, even if we're a dollar short, we don't receive any of that money. However, if we do hit our goal, we'll then receive the money. Amazon.com and American Express will take their fee off the top, and then the rest of the money is ours to print, publish, and solicit Fracture Issue 1. That's why we're really pushing hard to raise enough money so we can reach that goal so we can make Fracture number one. And then we'll be able to make Fracture issue two and three. I'm sure some of you are probably thinking, well, what's going to happen to PKD Media if, if Sean goes away? Well, I'm going away, but I'm not going away. Let me explain. I'm As I said before, I'm stepping down as a manager of operations and chief and whatnot of PKD Media. But I'm still serving in a consulting role and I'm still able to do the podcast um, PKD Black Box is going nowhere. We're still making, we're still going to make fresh episodes on a bi-weekly basis. The Tales from the Attic podcast with Donnie Salvo is still going to be here. John Carroll is still going to stop by every now and then, do a Carroll Chronicles episode. You'll still have comics on pkdmedia.com. We're releasing two more books next year. We've got a lot going on, and we've got some people to help run PKD Media while I step back. Uh, Jason Grice, who used to do marketing for PKD Media, will now serve as manager of operations of PKD Media. And Johnny M., who some of you may know as the host of the Legion of Dudes podcast, is serving as publisher. It will be their job and f job and focus to give PKD Media a direction over the next few years while I'm away. And I'll be collaborating with them as well. And we've, like I said, we got a lot of ideas in store for PKD Media over the next couple of years. So PKD Media is going to continue to push forward as I'm helping the guys over at Action Lab Entertainment uh, start up the ship and steer it in the right direction. So wish us luck on both fronts. And as, as I may have said earlier, we're going to have some people from Action Lab stop by in the next episode or two just to wrap, wrap to everybody so they get a better feel of what's going on if I didn't explain everything all prim and proper. So wish us luck. And now, our feature presentation. I'm joined on the line right now with Shane Kelly. You may know Shane Kelly from Comic Geek Speak and his own spinoff podcast that he does with the gentleman called Pants, known as World of Toys. Um, known Shane for a few years, really good dude. Actually, because of Shane, I have a Swedish chef Muppet figure that is right by my computer. And I look at it every single day. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. I love it. Uh, Shane, how you doing, sir? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm just doing wonderful. Um, you know, I'm glad to have you on the show, man. Oh, I'm glad to be here. It's uh, it's been a long time since I've even gotten to hang out with you, so uh, I'm I'm glad to at least get to chat up some toys with you. Oh, no doubt, man. And and the Swedish chef misses you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have four of his brothers sitting here on my shelf that I'm looking at right now. I oh, see. That's awesome. For those that don't know, I keep like a couple of figures by my computer. You know, just just to look at and, or, and just for fun when I get sometimes get bored or if I get in a creative rut. And one's a Swedish chef, and another one is a um, when Burger King had that Star Wars uh, water toy promotion a few years back. Okay. Um, my wife found a Boba Fett. 
Nice. And and his arm, one of his arms lifts up, and if you and if you fill it up with water and push the button in the back in the back where his flamethrower would be, spits out water. <laughs> so I, I keep those. I keep Boba and the Swedish Chef side by side. That's cool. But um, we're here because we want to talk about some Star Wars toys, and we want to talk about the new vintage collection that's out right now, and we also want to talk about the original Star Wars action figure collection and you know who else can i bring on the show to talk about that than another you know like longtime star wars toy fan but shane i wasn't gonna yeah. do this if i i wasn't gonna do this if we if i couldn't do it with shane so you know i figured we'd do this and have some fun with it yeah star wars toys uh back in the late 70s man that was that was the f- i had toys before but that was my first one that i went absolutely nuts for yeah that was the toy, you know, growing up, like in like in the late 70s, early 80s, when it came to the Star Wars toys, the Empire Strikes Back toys, that was always first on my list. It was, oh, the, yeah. it was the first on my friend's list, you know, and this is before the Transformers, G.I. Joe craze and stuff yep. like that. It was Star Wars, and that was it. I had a couple Mego figures, um, a couple Star Trek and a couple superheroes, mostly Batman ones, but as soon as Star Wars hit and I saw that movie, everything else just died away oh. immediately. Oh, oh, no doubt. And and I think, you know, a lot of that had to do with the fact, if you really think about it, um, you know, before Star Wars, like you said, you had the Mego action figures. And that was really about it. I mean, there were toys out there. Yeah. But, I mean, can you really think of anything else during that period of time that existed that made kids go crazy? No, nothing like this. I, I think the closest I ever heard anywhere close to the kind of marketing that went on with Star Wars and the... Uh, products that were offered was Planet of the Apes, and that was right. years before my time. Right. No. 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 And you're right. There were. Um, they. They definitely did have a, a minor push with the Planet of the Apes toys, but those didn't. You know, didn't make anything as far as monetary value when compared to the you know original Star Wars line as a whole. Yeah. So no, nothing. Nothing even close. Oh yeah. Because if if you really think about it, board games were the big thing. Yeah. Yeah, board games and maybe some matchboxes. Yeah, but that's about it. Matchboxes, Hot Wheels, stuff like that. Yeah. That was when it, you know, when it came for boys. That was pretty much about it before Star Wars came out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it's a pretty big deal. But um, yeah, we wanted we want to talk about the uh, the new school vintage collection and uh, the old school Star Wars toys. So now, Shane, you kind of got to school me a little bit on these new age Star Wars vintage toys because yeah. I know what they are. But I've purposely avoid them when I go to the store because I can't afford any. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if I see them, I'll just get upset because I can't have them. And then when I get some money, they'll be gone. So um, can you break it down for me as to uh, what these toys are? Well, now, a couple years ago, they came out with the Vintage Collection, which was Hasbro producing card backs that were replicas um, made after the old Vintage Toys. Well, even to the point of putting on a Kenner logo on the bottom of the thing, because Hasbro bought most of Kenner's rights, if not all of them, uh, if I'm remembering right, mm-hmm. and that came along with all the Star Wars stuff. So when Hasbro got the license for Star Wars, and then they bought the Kenner stuff that was left over, they were able to, to use the Kenner name if they wished to. They just never had a reason to. So a few years ago, they came out with the Vintage Collection, which was the card backs and the figures just like you would have seen back in the 70s and 80s. That initial uh, run of them came in a plastic protective case, and they had a little black band of cardboard that went around. It said the Vintage Collection, and 
everything was great and it's cool and awesome and one of the few sets of figures that I keep in their package because for me, these vintage type collections, part of it's the nostalgia of having the old type cards still perfectly in shape with the figures and the bubbles and everything and nothing's opened or ruined Yes, um, because I didn't keep any of mine. I opened all of mine when I was a kid. <laughs> oh yeah, same here. Now see, all my all my original Star Wars toys. When I had the figures, what my mom would let me do do was is that because you know when we were kids, we we could cut out cut out those points on the back of the on oh, the back yeah. of the car on the back of the the backing, so we could send yeah. in and get free stuff. Sure. Like I uh, say, for instance, when the Empire Strikes Back came out, well, they had that Boba Fett promotion, which everybody knows about pretty much. Yeah. Um, and we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But I remember cutting all these Star Wars points off the back of my uh, Star Wars Star Wars card backs to get the um, Empire Strikes Back set that had the backpacks and the gas masks. For, oh, yeah. For, you know, for all the, for the Star Wars action figures for that scene inside the monster when they were shooting at the Minox. Yeah, inside the space slug, they had the, the little three gas masks to put on. That set also came with a backpack for Yoda to go on the back of Bespin Luke's uh, action figure. So you could carry Yoda around in the backpack training Luke. Yes, See, that was cool. You know, yeah. that, that stuff was pretty awesome. That and, was awesome. And they also had a giveaway where if you if you sent away for enough points, you could get those dior, uh, diorama stands. Yeah. And um, and they had like um, they also came with pictures from the movies that um like you know set stills from the movies that you could put behind it. I used to have all those. I used to have the set still the stills as well as the diorama stands. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I don't have them anymore. Oh, I wish I still had those. Oh my gosh, yeah. I had one that came out during the Star Wars movies that held 12, the 12 original figures and you could pull a lever in the front and there was like, I think there was four levers in the front or three levers. So every three or four figures, when you move the lever from side to side, all the figures would turn side to side mm-hmm. and it had one continuous back. But then as the Empire Strikes Back and stuff came out, where the diorama ones like you're talking about with stills from the movie and then the accessory pack. And that stuff was just stuff was just so freaking cool. Actually, I just looked through my um, my, my old my old school Star Wars toys and I opened yeah. up the, I opened up the Darth Vader case. Lo and behold, that backpack that I was talking about from the space slug scene. Yeah. I still have one left. Nice. <laughs> and mine are all long, long gone. Wow, that's great that you still have one. Yeah, and and, and this one, I don't even think I really used it because it's still it's not bent. Wow. And um, and, and like the clips are still intact. So Jeez. yeah, that's kind of cool, man. I didn't know I had. I got to put that away. <laughs> <laughs> I do still have my Darth Vader case. It's empty, but I just found it um, about a month and a half ago. We were cleaning out our basement to uh, start getting ready for Halloween and. Um, we um, moved some things around. Uh, we moved my wife's office upstairs and now moved another couch downstairs. And lo and behold, in this big pile of stuff is uh, a whole huge box of things I didn't know I had yet stored down here. And one of them was my Darth Vader case. Now I remember what you're talking about with the vintage collection because, mm-hmm. like, the stuff before, there are items, like, as of this recording, um, as of this recording, there are th- new stuff, there are new things at, like, Toys R Us and at Target, which have the original card backs. Yes. And there are certain figures, like, say, for instance, the Cloud Car Pilot, there's a Han Solo, there's a, um, 
I'm trying to remember which Han Solo it is right now. I want to say, is it, a, is it Bespin Han Solo? It is a, a Bespin Han Solo, but he it's it's actually on Hoth. He has the overcoat on, yes, but he's got the hood down, and it's made to look like he's got, uh, I think, a tool with him from when they're working on the Millennium Falcon, trying to get ready as the Empire's coming in. No, well, he doesn't have the overcoat on then, come to think of it, but it's, it's from that general time in the movie when he's in the Echo Base getting ready to go. Yeah. Um, the the original vintage collection ended after I don't know three or four waves, and that one you could send away. You could collect points and send away for a George Lucas in a stormtrooper armor mm-hmm. outfit. Okay. Okay. And and it was put on a stormtrooper card back and everything. Then it went away for a few years, and it just resurfaced this year. I think there's now maybe three waves out. I definitely know the second wave is hit. Yeah. Um, where they didn't put it in the collector case, so that lowered the price compared to a few years ago, uh, but they're still more expensive than your basic figures that are still out there. Your, um, vint- uh, I'm sorry, not Vintage, Clone Wars and um, Legends of Star Wars, I think they're called. Right. Or Legacy Star Wars figures. Those are, I think, $7, and then these range from seven to nine dollars depending on what store you go to mm-hmm. like i know say for instance if you go to toys r us online they're 9.99 a piece yep but i think like at our at our actual store they might be 8.99 and i think at target they're 7.99 which yes. is the best i've seen them for yeah, and see and at, and at target and then like our, our at our local target i saw them one time and as i said before i was broke so i couldn't get any then there was like this, <laughs> this little sliver of a moment where i had a little bit of cash so i was like okay i'm just gonna go i'm gonna find the boba fett and i'm gonna find like you know in the han solo and be done and i went back gone the only thing they uh, had the only thing they had were the uh, twin pod cloud car pilots and i was like i don't want those <laughs> I did I did happen to find a Boba Fett was one of the first ones I found. And I have um an AT-AT driver. Uh I have let's see. I think that's it. Oh, for for this new one, they have new figures that I don't think have ever been produced before because they had Dak, the co pilot to the snowspeeder that Luke drives. Yeah. They have a figure of him out. So even though they have some new some old ones that they're kind of recarding and they might be new sculpts some of them are repackaged figures they also have just brand new figures then the new big hook for this is they've taken characters from the prequels and put them on kenner cardbacks with their respective movie logos on Mm -hmm. so like i have a commander cody that the logo is star wars revenge of the sith but yet they threw the kenner logo on they threw the free boba fett figure sticker on i kind of think that's cool too because I wish they would go to this format and keep it this format forever and stop using any other format because to me, this is the end-all be-all of getting Star Wars figures oh, like this. Well, especially like when you flipped when, with that cardstock, when you flipped it on the back and it had every action figure on yeah. the back lined up and it had the, um, the numbered chart on the bottom so you knew who was who. Yep. And, and what was what. And sometimes, if you were lucky, they would put like a couple of ships on the bottom. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you can see all these ships that you want your parents to get, but they would only get you one. <laughs> yep. Um, so, oh, yeah. A new spin on this version of them is there's foil embossing around where the white would be or the silver looking color. And the ones that are actually foil embossed are supposed to be the, uh, the Galactic Hunt figures. It doesn't really seem to mean anything other than they package like one or two of them a case or something. I don't know what the ratio is. 
but I happened I did the the Commander Cody I have is a foil one just because that's the one that I saw so I grabbed it. The Bob I know of Boba the Boba Fett which has the um the picture of like Boba Fett with like you see like he's in, looks like he's in outer space and like the bat and his uh, jetpack is like blasting off and he's got his um flamethrower you know yep. pointed right at you you know yep. I, that card backing is so cool and oh yeah and like I know they have Boba Darth Vader uh C3PO the cloud car driver a Bespin Luke let's see they also have the the Leia Hoth outfit the um Han Solo Echo Base outfit like you like you had mentioned with the tool the Adat Commander Dengar and Forlom. Yep. So I mean, it's an it's a nice that's a pretty nice collection. And I remember the previous vintage collection because I had a couple of them um, from before, including a Luke Skywalker Bespin fatigues. So like I was kind of taken off guard when mm-hmm. they came out with this new vintage series with a new Luke Skywalker and Bespin fatigues. Yeah. So that kind of caught me off guard. The one thing from the newer vintage collection from a couple years back and this is a few years ago remember when they had the 12 inch star wars figures and they had them packaged just like the old school 12 inch figures yes oh my gosh i love them i thought that was awesome i have a boba fett like that nice and like what was funny was this is hilarious um i remember i bought myself one for christmas for myself uh-huh. And I was like, I'm never going to open this. Because, see, what happened was was that when, as a kid, I used to stay over at my grandma's house all the time. Mm-hmm. And I had um, uncles who were only like a couple years older than me. And so one of my uncles, Matthew, had the original 12-inch Boba Fett. And they had like the rocket pack with like the rope or whatever and, and all this other fun stuff. So I was like, oh, this is so cool. I played with that thing every single day. Nice. And then, and then one day it was gone. And you know, and I was, I was, I was, I was a little butt hurt because I couldn't play with it anymore. I, ha- I still have my original Han Solo 12 inch with uh, with the gun, the boots, the vest. The only thing that's missing is the uh, celebration medal. Oh, I was just going to ask you that. I saw I have a picture here in this book I'm looking at, and I see that there's a, a an award, a medal for, on his, around his neck. And I was going to ask if you had that. Oh. Got everything but that because as a kid I used to I used to eat it. <laughs> so I'm surprised I'm not brain damaged from the paint chips, but um, but no, I, I still have it. And but when I got that, you know, that reissued vintage Boba Fett, I said, okay, I'm never opening this. I'm just going to keep it and hang it up somewhere. This is awesome. Yeah. Lo and behold, a friend of mine gets me a vintage Boba Fett for Christmas. Oh. So like I, you know, I get back home and like I rip the other one out the box, and now and now it's like sitting next to to the old school Han Solo. That vintage collection one, there were two versions of that, and I bought the first one I saw without knowing that, and it actually had a certain color material for the jumpsuit. Well, then all of a sudden it became, that was the wrong color, so they reissued it with a different color, and I happened across that, and I bought that. What I don't remember is, I know I sold one of them, but I don't remember which one, because I didn't need two necessarily. Mm -hmm. I sort of thought I sold the one that was rarer and got more money but I can't say for sure and I have to go up and dig it out of my closet sometime to find out if I even have one left or if I ended up selling both of them because again because it was in that vintage box I thought that was cool like you did and didn't bother opening it because it was too cool the only 12 inch I had was a Darth Vader it's the only one I ever got and somehow by some miracle he is still together I still have his cape and the lightsaber 
and it's in a, a display case in my house right now. Very nice. See, the I have a Darth Vader, but my Darth Vader is from the collector series when they, you know, when Star Wars came back in the mid to late nineties. Yep. When like they had like you know the big, like then they had the three point seven five inch action figures. They're all like on steroids. Oh yeah. Well, they came out with the with the new twelve inches as a collector's edition. Sure. Or collector series, and I have that Vader. That's the only one I have. I used to have a Lando Calrissian, but I have no idea what the hell happened to it. Oh. So a l- little bitter about that, but I can let that go. But um, <laughs> but yeah, man, no, that's cool. You got an old school Darth Vader. That is awesome. I like. I, I think I like your old school uh, Boba Fett story even better than my Vader that I have because I always wanted the Boba Fett but never even saw one when I was a kid. Man, you do not understand how to me how cool the old school 12 inch Boba Fett was the fact that like the backpack, like the little rocket thing could actually shoot out. Yeah. And was there a rope attached to it? There was like a little rope and it was okay. like, and it was, and it was kind of, it was kind of like retractable. And so like, you know, it was kind of cool. Cause so like what he could do is if I remember right, childhood memories are always better than what they actually were in real life. <laughs> but if I remember right, you could shoot the rocket and it had a little rope and the rope would either attach or line up with um, something on his arm, and okay. he could just like you know slide back and forth. All right. If I if I remember right, and I could just be making this up, I I I just remember playing with that Boba Fett and like being in like one of my grandma's like shorter trees and like you know ha- having this rope, and he just like you know zip not zip lining, but uh-huh. like just like zipping back and forth uh, with it. Yeah, dude. And now that figure. Now with that one. Could you flip the visor down and look through his eye? Yes. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure if you could do that. Oh, yes, you could. Yeah, That's cool. I couldn't see Jack in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so it was so freaking awesome. With this vintage series that's been going on for the past few years, they've also done exclusives. Yes. Which, and I've always been impartial on the exclusives thing. I, I mean, it's cool, don't get me wrong, but sometimes you don't even know that, that this toy actually exists. Yeah, yeah. Like, say, if, you know, like, because Toys R Us will have an exclusive. Or normally it's Toys R Us or Target, they'll have the exclusives when it sure. comes to Star Wars toys. I haven't really heard Walmart over the years having actual Star Wars exclusives. No, no. The only other place I've heard of it is um, when celebrations happen, the big Star Wars conventions, mm-hmm. they have exclusives. And then StarWarsShop.com usually gets the leftovers to sell. Ah, but that's okay. the only other place I've heard of any kind of Star Wars exclusives. No, oh, yeah, that, that that makes sense. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. Lucas Lucas is going to get that cash one way or the other. That's right. <laughs> but um, I've seen the one thing. Well, there's a couple of things. The the new Millennium Falcon. Oh, uh, the big the big one. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah, the snow speeder. I actually broke down and spent money I shouldn't have and bought a snow speeder. Oh, you, oh, dude, that's awesome. It's sitting on my shelf. The Y wing. Yes. Oh, see, I wanted, I wanted that one too. And now, did they ever come out with a uh, with a B wing for this Venture series over the years? They did. Um, I want to say Toys R Us at least had it as an exclusive at one time. They also had a Y-Wing recently, like last Christmas, at Target, I think it was. If it wasn't Target, like you said, it was Toys R Us. But one of them had just brought out a Y-Wing in the not-too-distant past and resold it. Now, something this year, like the the Millennium Falcon, I think that was two years ago, and then they re-released it last year, which I always wanted to buy one and turn it into a coffee table um, and set as many figures as I could in it, but... uh, it's too expensive, and, and the idea didn't fly. 
Right. <laughs> you know, if you can find one used off, yeah. of, off of eBay, then you can just like run with it. Right, right. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's still pretty expensive for sure. And have you seen the, uh, the new AT-AT? Yes. Oh, I drool every time. <laughs> and it's not even as expensive as the, the Millennium Falcon, so there's more of a chance of the AT-AT becoming a reality but mm -hmm. it's still pretty darn expensive but it is cool yeah I, I still have and when we get start talking about the regular old school star wars toys mm -hmm. i still have the original at at oh i never had one one of the few things i never ever had i i got it for christmas nice and um everything it still has pretty much it has everything and if i put some d-sized batteries in it and push the button uh, -huh. uh the um like the guns light up in the front and they, and, uh, they, and they like they rotate back and forth back and forth that's so, cool so uh, so yeah no it's it's an it's one of my all-time faves so but you know we, we're not talking about the old school just yet so i'm gonna hold off i'm gonna pull back in this new vintage collection okay so they had the old ones that we talked about that had the cases on them. They had the new wave out that we were just going over what figures are in it. The second wave is all dedicated to the prequels except for one figure. And those figures I, I found on um, rebelscum.com because that's where I go to get all my Star Wars action figure info mostly. Mm -hmm. um, they have a Darth Sidious, an Anakin Skywalker, and he's kind of as Darth Vader, I think. Uh, they have a clone trooper, an Obi-Wan Kenobi, General Grievous, General Grievous's guards, those robotic things with the sort of cape on it. Yes. And a clone Commander Cody, which Cody's the one I have. That's all the prequel ones. The only one that's not a prequel for the second wave is uh, on a Star Wars card back, and it's a Sand Trooper, which they never had in the original line from 78 to, like, 85. Right. They never made a Sand Trooper, so... For me, that and the Boba Fett one were the ones that I was drooling over to find because I thought Sand Trooper's always been one of my favorite Stormtrooper characters, and I just thought that was cool as anything. I can't keep up with this stuff anymore. Oh, I know, I know. And, and my initial thought was to cut back on something like maybe the DC figures for a while and just get all the Star Wars ones. But one, what am I going to do with them all? And two, I don't have a place to store them, even if I did get them. Yeah. So I decided to just get couple favorites that like the sand trooper would be would mean something to me or the boba fett and then since i love commander cody cody which i have no idea why <laughs> um other than the fact that he was served under uh obi-wan kenobi yes i got him and and that's pretty much it i'm i'm not going to really get many more of them unless they really blow me away with something no i know i understand but i'm i'm about to 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 get you either all hyped up or real upset because I just went to rebelscum.com. Yeah. And I guess over the weekend, some Target has some vintage items, new stuff that's exclusive to Target for the vintage collection, including the Rebel Armored Snowspeeder, the Imperial TIE Fighter, and they use the original box setup. Nice. And But they use the newer figures, but they, yeah. have like, but they, have, they use the original box concepts. The Rebel, Rebel Armored Snowspeeder, Imperial TIE Fighter, and we're not done yet. Um, there's an Attack on Hoth set and Star Wars Hoth battle packs that um, have like the little laser cannons and stuff. Nice. Yeah, and they have. And the Attack on Hoth set has the Chicken Walker. <laughs> Once. Oh, look at that! <laughs> it's so that freaking cool. That is cool. So yeah, man. I 
it's, 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 it, it constantly just they keep constantly dropping this stuff, and I can't keep up. No, no, my gosh, no. And you know what? The, the Empire Strikes Back. I mean, I love the original Star Wars: A New Hope. That that is a great self-contained story. If they never made another Star Wars movie again, you would get the entire story right there. That's all you needed. But since Empire's out there, that is my drop dead favorite. Yeah, no doubt. Same here. Same. And here. all that Hoth stuff, man. Oh, that. And for somebody like me who doesn't like the cold, you would think that I would just like completely just disavow these toys. No. Sure. Love them all. <laughs> Every single one of them. And see, I and once again, I had an, I had an original Snowspeeder. So yeah, I do too. So when I when I look at this new Star Wars exclusive, I just it gets me all hyped. And I'm like, I wonder how much this costs. <laughs> so now, oh, go ahead. as far as I know, the only difference between this snow speeder that's in this vintage type box and the other one you will see, which is in a newer type box that has a diorama attached to it. So when you take the snow speeder out, you can turn the box into a diorama to sit the snow speeder in front of. Mm-hmm. The only difference is the box. Okay. It's the same snow speeder inside. Gotcha. Same with Toys R Us's Adat. They have the new Adat, but then they also have a different box, a vintage box, doing exactly what you say here with the um, snow speeder and the TIE fighter is, mm-hmm. where they use the new figures, the new Adat to make the scene, but it's it's a cool box. Oh, well, there's some, there's just something about going, for us, you know, for them doing this vintage stuff and using... Yeah. Or kind of like remaking the you know the old school containers, the boxes, yeah. Because this stuff, I mean, nowadays it probably doesn't seem as exciting as the packaging that's out today. The packaging out today, I mean, there's there you know a definitely a more intense use of design um, mm-hmm. from like say for instance the action figure packs. They're very you know three dimensional. They're very um, you know intricate, or like they're cut in a certain way or cut in a certain style to catch your attention. Yeah. The with the vintage stuff, which uses the old school Star Wars prototype, black boxes, low, you know, Star Wars logo, um, in circles. I mean, the title of the movie is in the middle, and Star Wars in circles. Um, the title of the movie. So you'll have like the Empire Strikes Back in the middle, and then Star Wars wraps around it. Yep. And then, like I said, there's a silver frame, and there's not that much to it. There really isn't, but it it always pops out it was always always a favorite like even when they re-released star wars empire and jedi in 97 when they started doing in 97 they had come out with a black packaging that was reminiscent of the classic one the figure was in the middle and the packaging was all black with whatever logo it was so they didn't have a picture of the character on there but it still looked cool because it was close to the old one just exciting to see something even resembling the old Kenner packaging. And I just don't know whether it's just because um, I'm just like, you know, loyal to the old school packaging because that's what I grew up with. Sure. Because like, I, you know, I, I, I really like some of this new packaging too, but it's something about seeing these, them like reissue this stuff using the old school packaging that really yep. gets me hype. And when, oh, I, yeah. when, when I see parents like with their, you know, with their kids and they see these toys like, ooh, Blah, 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 blah. And then the parents like come in and say, well, you know, yeah, that's what that looked like when I was a kid and, yeah. and all this other stuff. And they have something they can talk about and have something that they can share. I think that's great. Well, it's, it's really something never in my wildest dreams that I think that I would have kids my at the same age I was when I was a kid walking down a toy aisle, seeing G.I. Joe, Transformers, Star Wars, superhero toys, 
all in one aisle, all at the same time. Everything that I grew up with and was playing with is what is out now. Yeah, and see, and, and I really thought that this stuff like this wouldn't come up back, wouldn't come back around. No, no, because, especially after it fell away in ni- in eighty five. Yeah, and I'm and I'm sure we're all, we're all kicking ourselves for not going to KB when they mm-hmm. were when they were blowing out the uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi toys after yeah. Star Wars went away, and they were literally getting rid of the figures for like a buck. Yeah. Did you notice on these vintage, these newer vintage ones that we've been talking about, the little sticker on them uh, about the giveaway that they brought back? No, 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 not at all. You can buy these vintage type figures with the black packaging and the and the old style logos, or you can buy the Saga Legends or the Clone Wars ones, and they have the assortments listed inside the packaging in the slip that you get. You can send away with five proofs of purchase. You can send away for a firing Boba Fett like you would have gotten back in 78, 79, well, 79, 80, if it would have gone the way that it should have instead of being recalled. Yeah. Because back then, they came out with Boba Fett on a Star Wars back card, but you could send away for a rocket firing one. That was the first one that came out. Since that didn't happen exactly that way, because something I think with a, a child choking on the rocket pack, or they were afraid of the child choking on the rocket that would fire out, they changed it to a non-firing rocket, and that's the way it always was. So if I read what I saw online in the paper right, this figure, if you send away for it when you get it, it not only comes on the Star Wars logoed Boba Fett packaging, it also has the rocket that actually fires, but it is made up like the old Boba Fett with very little articulation, no elbow joints or anything like that, it is the old figure, if I read it right. No, that's so, that's kind of cool, though. That is awesome. I, sometimes I think, especially with figures that are only 3.75 inches, mm-hmm. sometimes I think too much articulation hurts action oh my figures. Gosh, yeah. Because you can take that old-school Boba Fett or any like old-school Star Wars action figure, and as long as the joints are solid, and it's not like there were any metal pieces in these toys either. Right, uh, for, right. for the action figures, it's just, just all plastic holding holding it together. For the most part, the action figures stand straight up, stand straight up still to this day. Yeah, I just pulled out my old school Boba Fett, and it's literally it's standing up on its own, and I'm shaking the desk right now, and it's not budging. Yeah, you know now these newer figures with all the articulation, if you don't pose them a certain way, they're not going to hold. Unless you have a stand for it, it's not going to hold. Yep, and I don't like the gimmick things like um. Throughout all the prequel movies, most of at least the first couple waves of each movie had a gimmick, some kind of spring-loaded action to do something. And to me, they always broke. So if I gave them to the kids, they play with them for a little bit, they break. I didn't really care much for, for, for that either. Because, like, the, to me, the new wave, the new age of Star Wars toys, when they... Episode 1 toys were okay. They, they were all right. I mean, I, I think... Because I'm, you know, not not that big of an episode one fan. There's some things about it I like, and some things about it I don't. Sure. You know, the figures, you know, are half and half with me. But before that Star Wars episode one line, the regular Star Wars toys were really coming into their own. Yeah. And they were actually, and they were getting better because, you know, they had stopped the super steroid Star Wars figures. <laughs> yeah. They tr- they trimmed them down. They had like a multitude of figures. I mean, all types of stuff. It's a fantastic lineup of figures. They were getting better and better. And then Episode 1 came around, and then it kind of changed up a bit because they wanted to focus on Episode 1, which was cool. It's understandable because, you know, you got a new movie. You want to focus on that. And then when Episode 2 came out, you know, then they mixed it up. 
like they have episode two toys and then those are the ones with like the spring action and all this other yep. stuff. And then they started like slowly sneaking in, say for instance, a um, they had a Luke Skywalker Bespin fatigues with his hand cut off. Yep. And, and they also had like this little playset piece where he's holding on to that pole. So I'm like, okay. Oh, that, yeah. So I'm like, that's kind of cool. So, you know, I, I got that one. And then they came out with the Han Solo, you know, Bespin fatigues. And they had some other ones, too. So they, they mixed it up a little bit to kind of, like, you know, take your mind off of the bad spring-loaded action figures. And then when Episode 3 rolled around, they cut back a little bit on the gimmicks. Mm-hmm. And they had a limited set of figures. Because I really don't remember there being that many figures. If anything, later on, they came out with all different types of clone troopers, which was, you know, which was cool. Yeah, but yeah. that was but that was about it. There wasn't a lot of pizzazz to that. I just remember there being in the beginning Toys R Us exclusives, and and Target exclu- exclusives. The Target exclusive was a lava glowing type Darth Vader. Yeah, a scorched like they had been fighting and they were all smoky and burnt a little bit. Yeah, and then they also had like on for the Toys R Us ex- exclusives they had a hologram Yoda. Yep. And a kind of like a couple others. And that was about it. And then they just had the regular line. The funny thing is, is that episodes one, two, and three each had different packaging. Well, you know, once again, make it stand out, make it pop. I, I understand. You got to make it marketable and sell it. But once again, it still can't top this new vintage line and the way that yep. looks. Can't top it. Nope, not at all. And the only thing really exciting about those Phantom Menace figures was that it was because it was a new movie. That was it. There was mm-hmm. nothing spectacular about those figures at all. It was just the fact that there was a new movie out there, a new packaging, a new type of Star Wars figure. But once you got into it for a while, they were not good at all. And I have to agree with you because there are very few of the original, well, not the original, there are very few of the Episode One figures that I kept. Yep, same here. I kept one Obi-Wan, one Qui-Gon, and one Darth Maul. Let's go ahead and let's just completely take it back to the old school. Yep. Um, let's go to the old school Star Wars toys, the ones that we grew up with. Uh, and the one nice thing, like I said, the new, this new vintage series is cool, but the one nice thing when comparing it to the original vintage series toys, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff. Oh, my gosh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, Kenner knew no, knew no bounds back oh. then because, I mean, I mean, literally, Kenner was Star Wars, pretty much. And then that was, I mean, yeah, they made other toys, but nothing pulled in the money that Star Wars, Star Wars toys did. Yeah. I mean, and it's amazing. I mean, think about it. We talked about, like, these new Star Wars toys, and, yeah, they have, they have like, the, you know, sometimes they'll come out with a couple of the weapons and stuff, like, like the laser blasters and stuff. But think about yep. it. When we were growing up, you cannot tell me that if you had the laser Star Wars laser rifle or the uh, Biker Scout pistol or, yeah, the, or, uh, the, or, or the Han Solo blaster, you cannot tell me you were not one of the most popular kids in your neighborhood. Yep, yep. I had the um, Han Solo blaster and the Stormtrooper rifle with the stock that would come down, unfold to become a shoulder prop. Nice. So you could take, you could take that Stormtrooper rifle, pull it out, pull a little piece out of the handle to kind of hold it sort of like a machine gun, like a Tommy gun, uh-huh. but then you could unfold it again to pull it back and it would prop against your shoulder and you would aim it like a rifle would be. 
you can find one of those um, like Brian's toys mm-hmm. in a box and like I guess like it's the box in decent shape. Yep. Three hundred and forty nine dollars. Wow. That is insane, sir. On my shelf, I have my original Star Wars logoed Han Solo blaster. It still works. I can put a battery in it, two C batteries, and it still goes off. I'm still kicking myself for not keeping like my two uncles, like Bruce and Matthew, both had the Han Solo Star Wars laser pistols. Yep. And I just should have kept them because they ended oh, up sure. they ended up losing them anyway. Oh. And I wish I would have kept them because, dude, back then that was major because these star oh, yeah. these Star Wars weapons like the 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 blasters and the laser pistols they look just like the movie weapons. Yeah, there was no law about making something look orange or stand out so that it it didn't look like a real weapon. Right, it was, it was exact. Oh yeah, dead on. You know what child wouldn't be excited by that? And not yeah. only that, but it made sounds from the movie. Yep. You know, I mean, it was cool. Oh yeah. So it was really, really cool. Now, on and before we go to like the figures and the vehicles, mm-hmm. we're going to stick with the weapons. Which lightsaber did you have from the old school Star Wars? I had from the original Star Wars a flashlight that had a screw-on blow-up blade, so I could blow up this piece of balloon put it inside this like plastic sleeve and screw it on the top of a flashlight that had a sticker on it that said Star Wars. Really? Yep. I remember when st- when like the first Star Wars series toys came out and they had like the little catalog that came with every like vehicle or accessory you bought. Yep. That lightsaber was in the back of, you know, it was like on the back of the um, next to last page. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I never saw that one. The one I had was the one the one that came out with the Empire Strikes Back. It was the, quote-unquote, the Force lightsaber, and it came in three colors, yellow, red, and green. Yep. I had a yellow one. Nice. And, and the way it worked was you had the handle, and, like, instead of it being a balloon for the lightsaber blade, it was hard plastic, and it was just, like, yellow hard plastic. And basically, when you swung the lightsaber, because at the tip of the lightsaber, they, it was open, and it had this, like, um, these, like, cuts up top. So when you swung it, the wind would hit the top of the, um, the lightsaber blade and it would make, you know, lightsaber noises. That was cheap to do. I mean, nowadays, oh, yeah. you know, nowadays they actually put like, you know, like, like sound chips in them and all this other stuff. And if, you, if a lightsaber hits another lightsaber, it actually makes the, con- you know, the connect noise. You know, nowadays kids got a, you know, kids got a great. But, um, but back then, you know, we had to use our imagination. But, oh, my gosh, yeah. but not only that, but supposedly... With um, these, the force lightsabers, there were two kinds. Um, there were the ones that you know you basically you know played with them or whatever, and you know you swung them back and forth, and um, they made noise. But there was also one that supposedly came with a light kit. Really? Supposedly, I've yet to see one. I remember we used to have kids on our block that talked about them all the time, but we never saw any. But supposedly those existed. But it, it kind of always made me shake my you know and I shake my head, but question why they had a yellow lightsaber, a green lightsaber, and a red lightsaber. And this was during the Empire Strikes Back when I got this one. Yeah. And there was no blue lightsaber. Right, right. I yeah. never understood that. Right from day one, Luke always had a yellow lightsaber, but yet there was never any yellow in any of the movies ever. Yeah. <laughs> it made no sense at all. But I, did I complain? No, because I had a lightsaber. 
There was also droids lightsaber. There's a droid. There's a lightsaber from droids. There was a lightsaber. Oh, what else was there? Yeah, there was a lightsaber from the from the animated droid series, and then they just reissued the Han Solo laser pistol for Star Wars: Empire and Return of the Jedi. Yep, they sure did. And I want to say they did the stormtrooper rifle also that way. Yes, at least through Empire, because then I thought they came out like you said with the biker scout blaster, mm-hmm. which I always drooled over and never ever had. Yeah, because now um, di- didn't the biker scout uh, laser pistol have like the uh, see-through uh, red sight? Yes, yes, I believe it did. Well, and even even the new lightsabers, my goodness, compared to say even three years ago, they they would collapse. But if they collapsed into the hilt, mm-hmm. they didn't function. They were just hard colored plastic, and you just hit a button and shook them to get them out. Right now, they not only light up and sound because the the if you didn't if you had the ones that didn't make sound and would fall into itself, so it looked like a regular lightsaber. Fine. If you had one that made sound, it the blade was like. The first section of it was out. You couldn't go to collapse it. It just wasn't made that way mm-hmm. so that you could have the electronics in it. Now, the toys, the blade falls into itself and is spring-loaded to pop out. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, oh, it is incredible. I'm, I mean, I, I remember when the Darth Maul lightsaber came out, and I thought mm-hmm. that was the most, like, ingenious thing ever. Dual-blade lightsaber, you hit the button, and, like, both blades would, like, fly out. It made the sounds, and if you hit, up, hit it up against another lightsaber, not only would it light up, but, you know, it made the sounds and all this stuff. I'm like, this yeah. is ingenious. I'm like, why didn't they do think of this before? And yep. now that lightsaber looks like crap compared to oh, the ones out now. Absolutely. And then if you really want to get into it, you have all the, like, master replica type ones that are outrageous or the FX lightsabers, I think, that Hasbro is putting out now where they're like 100 bucks, but they look awesome. Now, can you actually swing those and connect? Yes, you can a little bit. They are they are built. I have heard because I don't own one. Mm-hmm. I have heard that you can have a minimal fight with them without fear of breaking it, mm-hmm. but you can't go hog wild. Okay. They they will break, but they're sturdy enough that you could bang them against each other a little bit. Is okay. what I've been, what I've heard from other people. Before we go to the figures, let's talk about two things that you definitely don't see nowadays that okay. can, that Kenner made good bank on. Um, actually, three things: the diecast collections. Oh yes. Uh, the micro collections. Yep. And the play sets. Yes. Dude, the diecast collection was awesome. I had the um, snow speeder. I still have it. Oh. I still have my diecast snow speeder to this day. Lucky bugger. <laughs> and I used to have a uh, Star Destroyer. Oh, even luckier bugger. Because that came with a little blockade runner. Yes. Oh. And, and I'm salty. I'm salty because, see, this is what happens when I'll go to the Brian to- Brian's Toys website. Because I, yep. I had the following. I had the snow speeder. I yep. had Darth Vader TIE Fighter. The Darth Vader TIE Fighter, which had like a little pop-out Darth Vader in yep. his chair. Had yeah, that one. I remember one. that. Had the Star Destroyer, and I had the Land Speeder. Oh, and I'm salty because you know those I fo- you know foolishly you know got rid of them as a kid, oh, sure, sure. or you know or traded them for something else that I thought was super cool. And then you look at it now, it's like no, this sucks. 
<laughs> but um, you know, but those are the ones I those are the ones I had. But I remember I had a cousin that had the um, Millennium Falcon, and that's all I wanted. Oh, that is all I wanted. But yeah, but yeah, I remember that. I remember that Tie Fighter now, big time, because of the pop up Darth the, the Darth Vader that was in his chair that could pop up. I had um, the the white Tie Fighter, a regular Tie Fighter. I had the X Wing. And I had a land speeder, and I have a funny story about the land speeder. Back then, of course, I believe I, I believed that Santa Claus brought every single toy. We were at Kmart in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, which is around where I grew up, and I saw a land speeder, and I wanted it in the worst way. And my mom and dad said, "Okay, here's the deal. We'll get it for you." And this is like August or something crazy like that. We'll get it for you. Put it on the table and let Santa Claus pick it up, and then he can give it to you for Christmas. So I said, sure, all right. So we got it. We put it on the table, and lo and behold, overnight, Santa Claus came and picked it up. And that Christmas, I got it. <laughs> you know, these were like the perfect toys for when, say, for instance, your mom didn't want, your mom or dad didn't want you to take like five or six action figures with you if you're going somewhere, or if they didn't want you to take your, you know, your, you know, like your Millennium Falcon, regular size, or your, yeah. or your X-Wing, big X-Wing fighter with you. They, you know, you could take your diecast figure with you and be okay. And not only that, these things were made out of metal. Oh yeah, they were durable, man. Yeah. They held up. <laughs> yes, they did. So you know, you could hurt somebody with one of these. And oh yeah. And you know, then they were packaged really cool. You know, they were packaged kind of like the same way the old school. You know, like just like the regular old school Star Wars toys are packaged. Um, very nice. Uh, very well put together. And on the micro collections. Oh, that the, that was insane. Yes. Never had any of the micro collection. Always wanted the micro collection, mm-hmm. but just never had the opportunity. But I had one set, one piece of a set because they were broken down into scenes, mm-hmm. and each scene had three or four sets to make the entire scene. Right. I had one set, one piece of the scene. I had a Bespin set. It was part of the um, like the weather vane. Or the bridge that Luke and Vader go out to battle on just before Luke's hand gets chopped off. Yes. It had one Luke figure, one Vader figure, and that was it. Yep. Tiny little thing, and that's all I ever got of it. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That is that is from, that's the Bespin Gantry action playset. Awesome. And like that one, so you know what's crazy about that one is that it actually came with, because they came with micro figures, and they were, yep. you know, and they just had like, the, they were in certain poses. That one came with two Luke Skywalkers and two Darth Vaders. Really? Yes, because there's one Darth Vader that's like standing and like talking with his hand out, and then there's another Darth Vader that's got his fist clenched and he's got his lightsaber. Uh, he's got his lightsaber in his other hand, and then there's a Luke Skywalker without his hand, and then there's a Luke Skywalker that's fighting with his lightsaber. Huh? They enabled you to reenact the whole scene after his hand got cut off. Wow. And there was the Bespin freeze chamber. The Bespin Control Room, let's see, the Gantry, Bespin World, which actually, now this is crazy. If you, and, and, I'm, and I'm sure, like, my, I mean, my parents wouldn't even have touched this one. But, like, if you, if, you couldn't, if you couldn't find them separately, they had all three Bespin sets put together in one box. Huh. So, and that came with, like, a plethora of, of many figures. And there was also, like, the Death Star Escape. There was the Death Star Compactor. Huh. Um there was um, also yeah Death Star World, which put both sets together. There was like um, the Hoth generator attack, and I'm sure that there was a Hoth set. Period. Yep. 
there was a Hoth set yeah, with the Ion Cannon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And uh, let's see here. What else was it? Yeah, in the Hoth world was pretty cool. They had the Hoth set was cool because, dude, it came with the Ion Cannon. It came with the turret. It came with the power generator. It came with a chicken walker. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, dude. They had all they had all types of crazy sets. But yeah, that was strictly for from what I can remember, that only came out um set wise. I remember it for Empire and that was about it. Because Yeah, I I think that was it. I don't think they re-released them for Jedi or anything. No, I think it was strictly for Empire. And they also had v- the micro vehicles too. They had a TIE fighter, the Millennium Falcon, which I always wanted. Which was different than the diecast ones. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Be- because, like, the cool thing about the micro collection, especially with a lot of the vehicles, you could crack them open. Oh, look at that. And I like, completely forgot you could do that with the vehicles. Yeah, so it was like a mini playset. Yeah. Yeah, they had the Falcon, the Snowspeeder, the TIE Fighter, the X-Wing Fighter, and I think that was it. So, but yeah, once again, but back then, these were cheap. Yeah. So if you couldn't afford a full-size vehicle or a full-size set of toys, you, your parents would just, you know, give you those. So, yeah, dude, these were great. I completely forgot about the micro-collection like that. Oh, yeah. The vehicles and all the all the big sets that you could get. Watch out now. Yeah, yeah. yapped and yapped about the old school stuff what what old school stuff do you want to talk about well i wanted to ask you do you remember what the first three and three quarter figure you ever got was yes first three and three quarter figure i ever got was luke skywalker um from the original star wars with the uh, light slate with the lightsaber in his hand i mean in his arm that slid up and slid up and down yep that was the first action figure I, I had the second was r2d2 and then the third thing i ever got from star wars was a land speeder nice i'll tell you what we're very close um i think the only thing we're reversed is the figures i distinctly remember going to that same kmart in Pottstown and getting an r2d2 off of an end cap display hmm. um not long after i saw star wars for the first time and i did not realize this until just a few years ago as I was researching uh, for something else, when figures came out, I had always thought that the figures came out during the initial release, which of course they didn't. They didn't come out until 78. Right. Um, so I must have seen the movie when it was re-released in 78, and then a week or so, or maybe less later, was at Kmart. My mom let me get an R2-D2 figure. Then I got a... Um, no, then I got a C-3PO, then a Luke Skywalker... And then I got a land speeder, which was my first vehicle also. We were on vacation in Ocean City, New Jersey, and I got it off the boardwalk. I just remember playing with the land speeder nonstop. There was a little shifter inside the land speeder yep. to, make the, to make the tires go down and up. Yep. So you could, like, you know, just, like, roll it on the kitchen floor. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, that was awesome. And you were able to stick R2-D2 on the back of the seat because they had the peg for, you know, for his foot. Sure. So it wouldn't fall off. And then when I got to see 3 po I was able to do the same thing. I could put him in the back because I eventually got an Obi-Wan Kenobi with, like, the vinyl cape. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah, dude. And and then I remember saving up my pennies, quarters, and everything. And I had, like, this toothpick, this, like, toothpick jar with a plastic cap. Yep. And I put all my quarters, dollars, um, nickels, you name it. I put it in there and it got real full. 
And I was like, Dad, I want to go get a Star Wars action figure. So we went to Kroger's, a grocery store, mind okay. you. You'll seldom see this again, but there was a period of time where, like, you know, wherever you could put your stuff, you would, you, you would put it there. It didn't matter what it was. And, you know, there used to be a time you could go to just a grocery store. I'm not talking like nowadays where you have stores that are half grocery store, half department store. This is just a grocery store that also had some comic books. And then they had this spinner rack with Star Wars toys. Star Wars toys sold. Sure. So, <laughs> you know, they're going to get some of that cash, too. And this Kroger's had the Luke Skywalker X-Wing fighter pilot. I yep. wanted that more than anything in the world. And I gave my dad, like, my, 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 uh, <laughs> my toothpick jar full of change. I said, Dad, is this enough? And he, uh-huh. popped it, and he popped it open, and he shook it open. He's like, yep. I grabbed that figure, and I ran to that counter, <laughs> <laughs> threw it up there. I said, I want this. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was, oh, that's cool. That was my favorite Star Wars action figure of all time before I got my Boba Fett. That's you know this is one collection that my parents really got behind, and and again we I wasn't collecting it back then to keep for posterity or anything. I played the heck out of these things, mm-hmm. um, but every every year, every birthday, every holiday, anything that I got uh, for doing anything was a Star Wars figure, a vehicle, a playset. It was incredible. I think I think the original collection had like a hundred and seven figures in the end by the time. 1985 rolled around with the power of the force figures maybe a little bit more and i had about 90 of them i still have a good amount of my original star wars figures um i may not have all the weapons but i still have a good amount of my figures but i i know there are there are still tons of my figures missing i i remember the last time i counted these i had 65 but um i mean but that was before i lost track of things now i probably have about like 40 now 40 or 50 i know i played with these because i'm looking at my um skywalker x-wing fighter pilot mm-hmm. dude this thing is scarred to hell oh yeah i mean it's got battle damage <laughs> and i remember playing with some of my star wars figures so much that my dad had to super glue the heads back on because <laughs> like oh. my, my hoth my hoth han solo i was just playing with and i twisted the head one day and it fell off <laughs> so my dad super glued it on and he and he got so precise with it he landed it right back on like the spot where it's supposed to be and now the head yeah. swivels <laughs> nice now which which um original han solo did you have from star wars was it a normal size little head or a big old honking head because there were two different kinds that came out i had a regular smaller type head but then there's this other one that the head just looks so unproportionate to the body in my opinion i had the big head yeah. Yep, and I wish I still had it, but I remember for a fact I had the big head because my friends had the ones with the smaller head, and they always cracked on my Han Solo figure. <laughs> now, as far as the vehicles go, mm-hmm. well, which vehicles did you have from the original collection? Oh, wow. I From the original collection, I had quite a bit. I had the Land Speeder, which, which we talked about. I had the X-Wing Fighter, the TIE Fighter, the Millennium Falcon, um, let's see, what else did I have? Let me get to that section. Those are the ones I remember right off the top of my head. I had, I think I had a Tauntaun, but not the open belly one. I had the the original closed belly one. Yes. I had a Twin Pod Cloud Car, a Snow Speeder, didn't have the Adat, did not have the Slave one. That might have been it. Ooh, oh, go ahead. I had the Tiderium Shuttle. That was the last one I got. My parents got it from KB on clearance for five bucks. Say what? Five bucks. <laughs> for that big old Imperial Shuttle. 
Mm-hmm. Which I still have up in my closet. I'm still bitter that I sold my Tidarium shuttle back in the 90s to a toy store. And this thing was immaculate. Mm-hmm. This shuttle was immaculate because I barely played with it. And I just had, always had it out for display with my other figures. And I think I sold it for 30 bucks. Oh. You know, because at the time, you know, I, I figured, hey, I was doing okay. I got something for it. And so sure. I got like $30 because you know, I didn't have the box, but the stickers were intact. You could put batteries in it and it still made sounds. Yeah, man, I, I really regret, truly, truly regret getting rid of that one. I had the, X, the Land Speeder, the X-Wing Fighter, the Darth Vader TIE Fighter, and That's the one I didn't have. And the I could never get the wings to stay to stay on because, like, you know how you push a button, the wings will pop off. Yep, yep. Well, the way it worked is, is that when it popped off, you had, like, a shaft that connected to the wing. Yep. Well, the shaft was broken on one of the wings, so I could never get it to stay. Oh. So I had to super glue it. So I, I, didn't, I didn't, like, you know, hit that button anymore to make the wings pop off. And then from the Empire Collection, that's when I got my Millennium Falcon. Okay. And Slave One, which <laughs> I wish I kept. Yeah. Uh, the At At uh, Snow Speeder. Uh, let's see. Oh, the mini vehicles. The- I did not. No, no. I had one mini rig. It was like an all-terrain vehicle that you could press down on it, and the wheels would either pop out to the front and the back, or if you let it go, they would be completely underneath. That's the one I've got, and I've got it right underneath my AT-AT. Oh, I don't have mine anymore. <laughs> yeah, I got I got that one. I used to love those mini vehicles. Um, and I used MTV Seven. That oh okay. That's okay. what it's called. I had it had a Tauntaun just like you. I had the regular one. We just put the figure up top. Yep. And I had the shuttle Tidarium. Always wanted the Y wing, could never find it. Always wanted the A wing, yeah. could never find it. B wing, could never find it. But you yeah. know, I mean, I, I also looked at it like this, man. I'm like, I was a lucky kid. I was fortunate to have what I had. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, me too. so you know, so I was like, you know what? I'm cool with this. Um, and the dig. Uh, oh, the Dagobah playset. Uh, let's see, playsets. I had, I had the Droid Factory, which was kind of odd. I hated that thing, and it's one of the the weirder ones came with so many pieces to make so many droids and i lost almost every single piece in that set oh see always but see i always thought that that would seem cool because you could make your own toy you know what i was odd i didn't like it because none of those people none of those droids were in the movie really Ah. i mean i guess they were to a certain extent you could make an r2 and stuff but it just didn't make sense to me i played with it and i used it but uh, it was it was actually my least favorite playset that I had. I did have the Death Star play sta- uh, space station, the three level thing where you had a gun sticking out the top, the trash compactor with the foam and the little trash monster which was green with wings mm-hmm. a long neck and a mouth um, and that that particular piece, I have the elevator and I have the green monster that's all I have left. Everything else is gone I had a cardboard Hoth playset with a plastic base so the cardboard would stand up behind the little piece of plastic that you had pegs on for the figures i think that's about it for the play sets i did not have a lot of play sets yeah i didn't either i had dagobah and that was about it I ah, rem- the, okay. the rebel command center that's the one i had i'm sorry oh wait a minute which was the rebel command center again it had a diorama card back of the hangar of Echo Base 
And then it had a space for like, it looks like three or four figures. Mm-hmm. One of which had a lever to turn. So the figure would turn left, right, left, right. Ah, and a little okay. cave. It was actually a reprint from the Tatooine playset where it had a cardboard sand crawler. Mm-hmm. Came with a little shuttle. And then the ba- the bottom was a sandy color. They just took it and repainted it or remade it in a white color. Okay, gotcha. Now, I remember the Imperial Attack Base playset from Empire Strikes Back. I remember that one. And it was kind of weird because, like, it basically was like a, a bunker. You put a bunch of bad guys, a bunch of snow troopers in there with, like, their big guns and, like, their, like, cannons and stuff. Yep. And, um, and it had, like, this, like, little power generator with it. But what was funny was the box, the way it was set up, if you look at the diorama for the box, they had the Imperial Attack Base, which looks like this little mini snow fort. They've got, like, four or five snow, snow troopers with, like, guns and cannons ready to go. And Darth Vader's in the back behind them all with his lightsaber, like, pointing forward, like, you know, leading the charge from the back. Yep. And yep. then there are, like, two or three Tauntauns and, like, Chewie and two other Rebel soldiers, like, pointing their guns at, at the Imperial Attack Base. Shit is hilarious. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, there was also this other like like generic diorama like playset for Empire, which had a plastic bottom, which had a plastic base, but it had this cardboard backing, um, and in the cardboard backing there was like a, a picture of an at at. Yep, the Hoth Ice Planet Adventure Set. Yes, and I, and and I remember that, and I just looked at it, and I'm like, eh, no. And and I've seen it a few times. I've even seen it at certain like you know, vintage toy stores. But I'm like, nah, that's okay. Let's the only reason I was able to pull that name out was because I was flipping through the pages of this book. Oh no, dude, I would have cool. never remembered that. <laughs> oh, it's all good, man. Reference material never hurts. Um, what was the name of that book again? Uh, Star Wars: The Action Figure Archive, edited by Steve Sansweet with Josh Lane. Okay, cool. Now, do you remember Darth Vader's Star Destroyer action playset? Yes, I never had it. I wanted it in the worst way. I never had it either, but I remember I didn't see the words action playset underneath Darth Vader Star Destroyer. Yeah. So I was like, that's not a Star Destroyer. (laughs) I'm like, that looks awful. Why would I want that? But see, but then I got older. I was like, oh, action playset. Oh, okay. Because the only cool thing about it was was, was Darth Vader's chamber. Sure, sure. Everything else looked like, what, what are you doing with that? That doesn't even look, like you said, that doesn't even look like a Star Destroyer. Oh, yeah. I'm like, this is booty. <laughs> I don't want this. I don't now, want this at all. Now, something cool about um, at least the Snowspeeder, and like you said, your AT-AT does, the AT-AT has the, the laser cannons that make noise and light up. The Snowspeeder was battery-operated also. The turrets, the gun turrets, would flash with yellow lights. Mm-hmm. And they don't do that anymore, and I miss that. They have the, the new snow speeder. You can have one, two different sets of turrets on it. You can have one that looks like it should, but it doesn't do anything. The other one you can put on, and they have spring loaded rockets that fire out, which I don't like. They're bigger, they look gaudy, so I, I don't have them on. But I really wish that they would have just reproduced the light, light up ones with the sound. Now, what are some of your wish list ones that you always wanted but never had? The Y-Wing, the A-Wing, and the B-Wing are definites. As far as the action figures go, I always made sure I had my Lukes and my Han Solos and my Landos. I always got, like, the core characters. Yep. Mine was really just more about vehicles and play sets. So, yeah, those those three right there, the A, Y, and B-Wing, I always wanted those. Oh, a TIE Interceptor. 
Yes. Cause no, I never had one of them either. I thought that was the coolest Imperial ship ever um, as a kid. You know, because when I first saw that in Return of the Jedi, I was like, ooh, what's that? And everybody talks about, as a kid, everybody talked about the TIE bomber. Yeah. And I was just like, I think that's weak. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, bombs in space. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm like, it's slow. I don't want a Pinto. I want yeah. something. I want something sleek and something fast. That's right. So, oh yeah. Um, but yeah. What about you? I always wanted the Imperial Troop Transporter from the Star Wars box set, and I think they had one in Empire. Yes, they did. Only they called it the Imperial Cruiser then, because you could put six figures in these stands, and they had buttons on top that would have different. I think quotes from the movie or sounds or both. Mm-hmm. And I never had that. I, I rarely remember seeing that in stores. Um, I always wanted a remote control sand crawler. Oh, never yeah. had that. Yeah. Uh, I wanted a canti- a creature cantina action play set. Mm-hmm. Um, never had that. And that one came with a tall blue snaggletooth mm. um, as its figure that came with the play set, which was kind of odd. I think that was a Sears, yes, a Sears exclusive cardboard playset that came with four alien action figures, a Greedo, Walrus Man, Hammerhead, and a Snaggletooth. But it was a blue Snaggletooth because at the time they made the playset, they didn't know Snaggletooth was supposed to be this little guy with a red outfit on. Uh-huh. So they went with just the same size and ended up being wrong. Okay. I always wanted an Adat, never had that. A, a Rebel Transport from Hoth that escapes because, boy, you could fit a boatload of figures in there you're going to laugh at me but I, um i actually did have that oh and i actually had that up until about three years ago yeah yeah because uh-huh. it, it literally it was falling apart okay um like the plastic had gotten warped somehow and so it was literally falling apart but yeah i had that oh boy and i played with that so much because, I mean, that dude, the Rebel Transport was huge. Oh, yeah. It was a huge toy. I mean, literally, for, like, the longest time, that was actually my action figure case. Sure. I forget how many figures you could hold in there. It was outrageous. Yeah. And, like you, I wanted a Y-Wing. I wanted an A-Wing, a B-Wing. Um, I, I wouldn't have minded a Tatooine skiff, but I really don't remember seeing them even in the stores, but I know they were there. I remember, like, the mini ones. I remember the mini skiffs from when they did, like, the Star Wars mini vehicles. Yeah. Um, I remember those, but... um. Oh, did you ever have any speeder bikes? I had one speeder bike. Okay. Yep, just one. Yeah, see, I had a biker scout, but I didn't have a speeder bike. Now, did you ever get into the power of the Force line that came out after Jedi? With the go- with the coins? Yes. And when it when it first came out, I was heavy into it, and I had like six with oh. the, with the coins, and then I, and then I don't have any of those figures anymore, and I don't have those coins. Lucky bugger! I only had um, let's see, I never had any of those with the coins. I always wanted to get Han and Carbonite, and never ever did. I think I still may have my Han and Carbonite from the Slave One. Okay. I think I still right. I think I still have that somewhere. I got to find that's right. it. But um but that's that's about it. But no, I remember the, those Power of the Force toys. They were just I mean they were just like the other action figures. It's just that they had that regal look to them though. Sure. Sure. I never got into or had any of the droids or Ewok cartoon 
figures or playsets or vehicles or anything like that. Mm-mm. No, the only the only one I wanted from the droids was from the droids was if they had a uh, Boba Fett. And I'm not. I think they did have one. It was the regular Boba Fett on a droids card that um, was very cartoony because again it was from the cartoon. Mm-hmm. But it was the regular Boba Fett figure. Whereas I think the R2 and the 3PO figures they were actually cartoonized versions. Yep. Remember how Star Wars were the first or the first toys to have battle damage versions of their toys? Sure. When they I can't never had any of them. I I didn't either. I always wanted that battle damaged X Wing though. Yeah. Because it was to me like the look it looked a little darker than the regular X Wing. Because the regular X Wing was like this bright white with like with the with the red with the red stickers and the yellow stickers. Whereas yeah. the battle damage one was more gray. Um, it, it, it was it was a little bit darker. It was gray instead of a bright white for the base color, and it had like the uh, battle damage stickers all on the side to just make yeah. make the X wing look all battle worn. I thought that was the coolest thing as a kid. Yeah, I did too. My X wing, my X wing didn't even come with stickers. I had to go to the hospital when I was six to get my tonsils out, uh-huh. and when I came through, my parents got me an X wing to make me feel better, and. The only one they found at this same Kmart, because this was the only place to get toys back uh, when I was a kid, right? Uh, was an open box with no stickers. But everything else was there. So I always thought it was odd when I went to friends' houses and their X-Wings were had all these colors all over them. And mine was always just plain white. And that's what I was used to. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things, man. If you don't know any better, you, yeah. know, you, you don't notice them. You know no different. That's right. Remember... The Star Wars Race to the Death Star board game. Yes, uh, yep. I never I, had that. I, I miss that. That I used to have. My mom and I, my mom used to play that with me every day. Dude, they had they had like this like electronic board game too. Uh, they see that's what that's what I mean. They had so much stuff. Yeah. For the original trilogy, it was incredible, and and there was no bounds. I mean, there was Burger King glasses. There were Coca Cola posters. I think they were that. I got at grocery stores, of course, T-shirts out the wazoo. Gosh, I forget what else. But anywhere you turn, there was product. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, you couldn't like you know throw it. You could you couldn't throw it at cat and not and not hit Star Wars product back then. Yeah, I mean it was just amazing. Um, I mean, you think we have a lot of stuff? You think we have a lot of Star Wars stuff now as far as toys go? I really think about it. I mean, if you really think about it, we had a lot of stuff back then. Oh yeah. Yeah, we sure did. Last thing I want to talk about before we end this conversation. This is something sure. I actually found at my in-laws' house. My mother-in-law found this and gave it to me. They were cleaning up one of their one of their rooms that they don't that they haven't really uh, fooled with in years, and they pulled out my brother-in-law's insert for the C-3PO collector's case. Yes. And the insert has pictures of all the figures from the Return of the Jedi collection, and he's and like he's got like circled which ones he has and X's through ones. No, he's got circled which ones he wants, and he's got X's through the ones that he has. Okay. And And I'm just looking at this, and this thing's in pretty good shape. And I'm just wondering if I don't know. I know there's somebody on the market that's like, "Ooh, I need that." I wonder how much I could get for that. <laughs> but I'm looking at this man, and like, it's got like a ton of figures. I mean, all these figures. It's, it's just amazing. Besides GI Joe and Transformers, like you said before, possibly Masters of the Universe, maybe. Yeah. Dude, um, there there weren't a lot of toy lines that produced this many figures. No, no, not at all. Um, I thought it was odd that when Return of the Jedi came out, 
of course, everybody knew it was going to be Revenge of the Jedi at one point. But once, even after they switched the name, if you looked on the back of most of the first round of Return of the Jedi figures, everyone that I saw, the card back, the Ewoks were blacked out. Yep. They were listed, but they were all covered in black. And I never understood why. I think it's because they didn't want you to see them. And um, because maybe during that period of time, they wanted to keep that under wraps. Even though I do find it strange that before Return of the Jedi came out, I knew the word Ewok before I even saw the damn movie. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of other kids did, too. And I'm like, how did Luke just do that? <laughs> you know, how did he instill that word in my head without the power of the Internet? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, and all and like and all the mass media that we have today. Yeah, man, it's just it's weird. It but, is weird. Um, but it's it's cool though. It's cool. I just wow. They have in this book they have a page of promotional products. You had the Boba Fett figure that you could send away for. There was also a nine num, an emperor, an Anakin Skywalker, a coin of some kind before the coins for the power of the force figures came about or as they were coming about. Then they had the accessory pack that you mentioned. It was crazy the amount of stuff that you could send away for. Because they wanted to keep you involved in buying the toys. Yeah. And they figured if they made it kind of like a game, you know, you collect and purchase points from like action figures and stuff, no matter what, you're still buying something. Even if they give you something, the amount of money that you spent is way, way more than that action figure, that nine numb ever cost. Yeah. And, yep. I, and I had a nine numb. So I, I know my mom was mad at me after I bought all these figures and cut like the points. I was like, Ma, I need you to send away for this nine numb. She's like, if you want one more, <laughs> I, she would get so upset. Oh, and, and okay. So those were for the Return of the Jedi. At the back of the Empire Strikes Back, you could send away for an Admiral Akbar, a Forlom, the dioramas that you mentioned, and that's where the accessory pack was. Yep. Huh. I didn't know. I didn't realize that they had so many for each individual movie and they always found a way to make sure that you knew how massive that toy collection was not only like you said like we said before on the back of the back of the action figure package but at least once or twice on television i saw a star wars commercial it starts off with c3po and r2d2 and then they cut to this massive dire massive diorama and it's like this you know you know, it's just like terra firma. It's just land, like massive land everywhere. And there's like smoke clouds and outer space. And they've got all the toys laid yeah. out. Yep. And the camera just pans through all of them. And you just drool and drool and drool. Yeah. And back then, you couldn't pause the TV to even look at it. Nope. Oh, no. Yeah, you didn't. And not only that, but it's not like you could sit and wait with a VCR and like, okay, is the commercial coming on? Is right. the commercial coming on? Because you just didn't know. One thing I did do, though, is I would take my jam box with a tape cassette and I would wait and record on tape cassette that kind of stuff oh yeah I do remember doing that too I had like a, when yeah. I was a kid I had a Fisher Price tape recorder with a little microphone in the front yep. so yeah I just put it right up to the TV hit record boy uh, we were crazy <laughs> yes we were but see we were Star Wars junkies it couldn't be helped well we've been talking about Star Wars for a while um, the old and the new um, Shane uh, this has been a great conversation oh my um, gosh yeah I've had a lot of fun. <laughs> it's been a blast. Now I, I want to start searching for vintage toys again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, thank you uh, so much for uh, being a part of this. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, hey, man, you're welcome. Anytime. Anytime you want to talk about toys, you're always welcome to come back here. Oh, that's great. We'll have to have you on War of the Toys, too. Pick a topic and 
and go nuts on that. Oh, cool, man. Hey, fantastic. You name it, I'll be there for that. All right. Now, and just, and just so people know uh, where they can find you, um, can you tell them where they can find you? Yep. You can look at our website, comicgeekspeak.com. You can email me at shane at comicgeekspeak.com. You can download our episodes uh, through iTunes or the website for both the CGS proper and the spinoff podcasts. Right now, uh, Pants and I are on a pretty good schedule of once a month when previews comes out, having a World of Toys episode and going through some stuff that's in previews, but also having a topic to discuss about. That is cool. No, I you know I like the fact that like you know CGS for as long as you guys have been running with the fifteen gajillion episodes y'all got, <laughs> uh, you know you guys are able to do like all these like uh, spinoff shows is oh, yeah. is really cool. But no, I think World of Toys like, World of Toys is one of my faves. So it's yeah. a lot of fun. Oh yeah. So anytime you and Pants get together and just start talking about toys, man, it just gets me hype and like it makes my work day just go by real quick. <laughs> so no so seriously thank you for doing that and thank you for being on the show oh thank you the world we know is gone no google no amazon.com no email no podcasts in a world ruled by the dead we are finally forced to start living Hey everybody, this is Brad. The Half Hour Wasted and Legion of Dudes family is proud to bring you a new show, The Walking Dead TV Podcast. Each week, we will talk in-depth about the latest episode of AMC's new series, The Walking Dead. The new TV show starts this Halloween, and we could not be more excited about it. You can catch our new podcast on iTunes or at www.walkingdeadtv.com. Leave a light on, tune in, and try not to get bit. This episode is just roundtable discussion. We're going to be talking about a lot of various subjects, and we got a slew of people on the call. First, I would like to introduce uh, Chad Burdett. He is uh, new to the PKD Black Box Rotisserie of uh, of guests. Chad, how you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing all right. Power was out, so I had to come up to my girlfriend's. Oh, well, we're glad that you're here, sir. Glad <laughs> that you can make it. And also on the call is Micah Griffin-Lundy. Micah, how you doing, sir? Doing wonderful, and how are you guys doing tonight? Oh, not bad. Can't complain. Can't complain. Glad to have you Fantastic. on the show. And, uh, I, no now, problem. Love I, I had the um, opportunity to, to meet Chad on a couple occasions at the CGS Super Show, and I also had a couple... I, had, I also had a nice talk with Micah at Heroes Con this year. I, also on the show is host of the Comic Timing Podcast. You, I'm sure you've heard him before on this show a couple of times. His name is Ian Levenstein. Ian, how you doing, sir? With it. Token. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. How you doing? <laughs> Fantastic. Also on the call, uh, Ian brought a friend along. They just finished watching uh, Rocky Five. Date night. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and boy, are our arms tired. Uh, <laughs> stop it. This gentleman is part of the Geeks Unite Network, a.k.a. The Gun. His name is Raf Suhu. Raf, how you doing, sir? 
Oh, hey, Sean, you know, you, you got a great podcast here. You know, maybe just keep me on the this. just turn down the weather, you know? Just it's a little too hot in here, you know? Also on the call. <laughs> <laughs> also on the call is the one and only John Carroll, additional co-host of the PKD Black Box. John, how you doing, sir? I'm actually getting wanting some rotisserie chicken now, thanks to good old uh, Chad. Rotisserie good. <laughs> now, as I said before, this is just random, random talk. Uh, various subjects we're just gonna have a good time with this but one of the things i wanted to talk about because chad who does his own home brews he brews his own beer it got me to thinking he actually also sent me some beer a while back and a book about dogfish the uh, head of the dogfish brewery it made me want to talk about some of my favorite beers i know that you know ian and a, and a couple other you gents on this call are uh, you know some beer drinkers so i wanted to talk about some of the beers that that y'all enjoy and drink whether it be you reading a comic or watching a movie at the crib or uh, or in ian's case chilling with raf so um he needs the beer so 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 chad I'm isn't start- that when you break out the heavy liquor <laughs> oh you would not believe no, all right now chad we're going to start with you because you homebrew your own beers um what kind of beers do you like what kind of beers do you like or what is it that inspires you to make homebrew well i don't know for when i drink beer it uh really depends on the season like tend to drink more um Hefeweizens or you know wheat beers or light stuff, and not when, when I say light, I don't mean like you know Miller Light or Coors Light or like that. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know the Vortex bottle you know is nice, but you know it's a gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> the, good thing, the good thing about the Vortex bottle is that it sends you into an alternate reality. <laughs> yes, it's the but official I, beer sliders. Yes, <laughs> but uh, I mean, if I if I, I really you know. I, if I had to pick one, I would say I like my IPAs, India Pale Ales, because I the hoppier the better. I just like the bitterness, and that's what I'm drinking right now. I made a uh, Left Coast IPA, uh, and it just got uh, through bottle conditioning, so I'm sipping on sipping on it right now, and it's really nice and crisp. Oh, very cool. Very but, cool. Uh, uh, I would have to say my current favorite style of beer is. Um, Berliner, it's a Berliner Weiss or a uh, sour, and so and but they're kind of you know hard to find. Um, but again, it just depends on you know the kind of mood I'm in. If I, when I go, actually do go to buy a beer, then nothing else. If I see a label that looks interesting, then you know I'll buy it and try it. Yeah. Now I know, like on my end, like um, I know some of the beers you sent me. You sent me a few of the darker beers, and some dark beers I'm good with. Other dark, other dark beer, beers I'm like, okay, I gotta ease up on this. Like with me, like one of the beers I've been drinking lately is a beer that I, I got introduced to at the uh, Summit City Comic Con um, in Fort Wayne. Basically, like a bass ale, mm-hmm. and then they put some, then they put some Sprite in it. And at first, I was like, I, I don't know if I don't think I've, I, I don't think I'm gonna feel that. But I'll tell you something, that beer went down smooth. And it was it was tasty. I had about two or three of those, hmm. and I think they called it like a, a shandy. I think if, if if memory serves me right, but um, yeah, but that was really good stuff, and I'd never had that before. And to answer the second part of your question, for you know when I when I brew it, I mean basically it's I even though I've only been really brewing since uh, October, I mean I've been helping my friend who in Boston who got me interested in it for about two years. But for me, it's just you know experimenting with different things and i just bottled this past weekend a watermelon wheat with i and there's a uh, brewery called the 21st amendment and they uh, have a nice uh, watermelon wheat so i you know kind of decided to 
see if I can copy that. Micah, as far as you, as far as you, um, is there like any type of beer of choice that you have? Um, not particularly. I just got into beer about a year ago or so through people at work, and they're all total beer snobs, like really, really bad kind. And so, oh, hold on, hold I on. Had to wait. <laughs> bad kind of beer snob. <laughs> well, like if you if you don't drink beer, like I'm a brandy person because I'm 95 years old, and so I drink brandy. <laughs> but so if you're new to beer and you go to a beer snob, like they just use words that you just don't understand at all. Like I'm just like, what does this even mean? Like I don't know. I still don't know like porters and stouts and IPAs and all that nonsense. Like all of it still confuses me. But um. I usually only end up drinking local beers because they're close by and local guy. There's a company near here called Highland. I think that's what I think that's their name. Mm-hmm. They have an oatmeal porter that's like really really good Ooh. as far as that kind of stuff goes. But that's my beer of choice. If I had to like have one beer, it'd be the Highland oatmeal porter. Nice. Now, how about now? How about you, Ian? Hmm. Now, now see, I was raised to be a beer snob, like literally since I was a kid. I mean, my dad would, you know, he would slip me the occasional, the occasional beer and all that. And, and, uh, like ever since I was like seven or eight, he stopped drinking the bad stuff and started like going to the, to, to the heart of the fine things, stuff that you can really only, only like really get at beer distributors, like the monk beers, like the ones that actually have like the sediment on the bottom and, uh, unfiltered and, uh, uh, the stuff that you, that you could actually like taste as opposed to just drink, you know, because, because like, like when I, when I, when I, the few times that I had like a Bud Light or a Miller Light, it's like drinking alcoholic water. You know, it doesn't actually have flavor to it. I need a beer with flavor. I've always been like that. And, it tastes uh, like piss. Yes, it does. It, sometimes it does taste like piss. When they're warm, a Bud Light and a Miller Light, you might as well just be drinking piss. But, but it's cold piss. It's cold piss. Yes, that's true. Um, but uh, I'm more of a – I mean when it comes to bottles, uh, you give me a Sam Adams Summer Ale and I'm, I'm in heaven. You give me a Blue Moon and I'm good to go. But uh, 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 uh. what's up? Blue Moon, Not, brewed by Coors, br- brewed by Coors, but actually tasty. So I'll <laughs> I'll let that one slide a little bit. All right, all right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a little frou frou, and you put a, you put an orange in it. But that, that, uh, that's but, all right. I give Blue Moon the cosine as well. It's the only thing from Coors I'll ever touch. <laughs> Good, good. I'm glad I'm not the only uh, one. I, I give it the cosine. You're okay, buddy. Yeah, and <laughs> and, and Stella, Stella Artois on tap. That's for me right there. That's one of my favorite beers to drink on tap because it, it 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 goes down so much smoother out of the tap than it does out of the bottle. Because like almost every time I get it out of the bottle, it's got a skunkiness to it. I don't know what the hell these people do to these Stellas when they're in the bottle, but on tap, it's a completely different flavor and it's so good. That's my favorite beer to drink right there. But if if you're asking like what I'll what I'll go towards if I'm in a new town I want to try a local because I it's usually a beer that I've never seen before that probably won't wind up being in most parts of the country so like when I was in Seattle I tried to try as many of the Seattle microbrews as possible Baltimore same thing uh, when I was in Baltimore uh, across the street from the Baltimore Convention Center mm-hmm. uh, there's there's this one bar that uh, that brews their own stuff and uh, they have a chocolate stout. And they have a raspberry, I think it was a raspberry lambic, that they combine together to make a raspberry chocolate stout. And that was that badass. It was it was really good. It's it, it, one of the best beers I've ever drank. And you know, had I not actually just gone across the street from the convention center, I would have never even known that it, ex- it existed. So, uh, just to to wrap it to wrap it up on the, the on on 
actually giving you a, a true answer. I'm just I'm a I'm I'm a beer adventurist. You give me something new, and I'll try it at least once. But in bottles, give me a good Sam Adams on on tap. Give me a good Stella, and I'm good to go. Cool. Well, I think with bottles, uh, like with Stella, aren't the bottles green? Are they? Yeah, actually, I think they are. And that lets more light in than the uh, the brown bottles, and that increases the skunking. You might be tasting some of that. Yeah, you might be right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess they got to they got to keep them in as dark a place as possible. Then uh, the people that uh, that serve Stella, because damn, like the pit of my soul. Before we ask Raph what beer he likes, <laughs> um, I'm going. I'm going. I'm, I'm going to throw it to John real quick. Now, what about you, John? Speaking of a dark soul, the weird thing is, I because I grew up here, a little north of Memphis, it's a die-hard, die-hard Budweiser country. I mean, there were no microbrews. I didn't even know what a microbrew was until I started sad, selling them. Sad. When I start. <laughs> And to, I had never seen anything that wasn't a Bud Light or a Miller Light or anything like that until yeah, I got into, hey, that's just how it was until I actually worked for a brew pub. Worked for Gordon Beers for about a year and actually got to like a little bit of the lagers that they were selling. Not very many dark beers, which a lot of our co- customers for some strange reason liked because that's back when the dark beer craze was hitting back in the early 2000s. But lately I've been more on a cider kick. Ironically enough, so I've been tasting about I'm on like my about my fifteenth different variety of cider this year. Just testing different ones. Now, does that include like a woodchuck? Oh God, I love me some woodchuck. Mm, their their pear cider is is fantastic. <laughs> it, if you have you ever had the Granny Smith? I have. Yeah, it's like drinking an apple Jolly Rancher. <laughs> John, yeah. You, when when winter comes around. And Harpoon puts out their summer or their winter seasonal. Get some, have get some of that, and their Harpoon apple cider. Mix them together, apple pie. Yeah, that assumes I can find it. There, <laughs> I was like, we're t- most of your micros and uh, hardly ever get down here. Uh, the brewers, brewer here's are just on lockdown on exclusive contracts. Yeah, because InBev is a big up uh, evil uh, corporation. InBev <laughs> yeah. don't play. <laughs> Dumb cats not, are, those cats I like say, the Disney of beer. It's not even InBev. It was, uh, of course, it was Budweiser. It was they had everything on lockdown. Let's put it this way: you know why Coors was illegal in Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, and Mississippi? I mean, th- it was illegal until the early '80s. You could not get it over here. And I'm not saying Coors is a good beer, but it was Budweiser, Bud Light, and maybe if you got lucky, your place sold Miller. Yeah, they treated cores like fireworks. <laughs> not, not, not even, not even, not even Yingling, the oldest American lager. Yingling was first sold here about five years ago in Memphis. Okay, the brewer down here got the brew, Yeah, one of the uh, local guys got it five years ago. They were yeah. just allowed to sell Yingling in West Virginia a year ago, cause I guess because they had to pass a law to increase the allowable alcohol by volume content. I, I, yeah, that was one of the big things down here is that, uh, I mean, basically, if it's above a certain percentage, you can't, it's not so, and the different distributors won't carry it. That's why you don't get a lot of those specialty beers because they're just over the limit. Now, Mr. Suhu. Um, yes. Okay. Move along. Move along. Next question. <laughs> move sorry. along. It's all right. Now, what, what about you? What, now, what do you like to sip on? Uh, interesting enough, uh, you can, you can <laughs> split my uh, drinking career in half. It's, it's college. 
and then post college. College, I was actually kind of frat boy. I would frat boyish. Uh, I would drink whatever and chug it and just not even care about the taste. Coors Light, Bud Light, Bud Miller, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter to me. Then I decided to develop something called taste. And, you know, actually use my tongue. Actually realize this stuff doesn't taste that great. You? No. Yeah. Did he move I, to Natty Light? No, I um, actually, and this is partly thanks to Ian because we, we started hanging out a lot more. And, uh, you know, he's introducing more drinks. I'm, I'm actually more of a, of a dark beer person. Like, this is something I heard, I think, either read online or heard on TV somewhere. But, like, I like, I like my beers dark, and that's usually more of a winter thing. So, um, actually, there was this one beer that Ian can tell you what it is. Uh, I had it at his place. It was like a really citrusy beer that was really good. Was it Sam Adams? Uh, yeah, yeah. That was the uh, th- that was the new Sam Adams one. The one that actually that's actually like brewed with like a lot of lemons in it. Yeah, that one was pretty good. Yeah. And but as for like what I, what I really like is like you know your stouts. Uh, if if I like trying like specialty stouts, if if there's none, like I'll just have a Guinness. Uh, I'll have like two or three Guinnesses. Actually, like maybe even four or five. Geez, I gotta stop doing that. <laughs> Technically, I'm not supposed to do that because of my health. But Guinness uh, is but the, the healthiest beer. Darling is it really? how Ralph likes yeah. his beer and his men? <laughs> <laughs> well, well no, if, you know, if you're going to drink a beer, then Guinness is you know one of the best beers for you. I mean, calorie and carb wise. Yeah, because I was drinking. I was forcing myself to drink light beers for a while, then and then I learned to balance my carbs out or whatever. But yeah, I um I prefer my beers dark. As as I do my my men, you ain't right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're not right. Like here, ever since uh, the missus and I moved, we had some like microbreweries in Ohio. But here it's a little different. We actually have a couple places that also have microbreweries as well. But there's a restaurant around here called Saul Good, where they uh, have a, a beer called a uh, Kentucky Bourbon Ale. And what it is is basically beer with bourbon. And what they do is they let it like ferment in barrels. And then you know right. when it, when it's just right, you get it. And then you know they serve it to they serve it to you in these like you know goblets. And let me tell you something, it it's it, it's an acquired taste. Not everybody's gonna dig it. It's an acquired taste. But once you get once you get it, and if you love it, you can't get enough of it. But it will fuck you up if you're not careful. <laughs> if you you know it will fuck you up if you're not careful. I had some friends you know try to like take two of them. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You know if you're, you're not in college anymore. Your collegiate drinking days are done. You know, one glass is for you, and that's it. You well, because not only are you getting the uh, alcohol from the fermenting of the beer, but you're also getting the alcohol in the, uh, you know, from the bourbon. Yes, it's no joke. It is absolutely no joke. Like, um, but I, I am, I, um, I, I dig that, and like Line and Kugel. There was a um, when I was in Pennsylvania. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Save my life right now, but um, Yingling. Yeah, yeah, Ying, thank you, Yingling. Yes, um, big fan of Yingling. Very big fan of Yingling. Icy and light, <laughs> <laughs> Iron City Pounders. You know, no, I, Roll, I dig Rolling it. Rock. What'd you say, Micah? Rolling Rock. Uh, Steel yeah. City. Yes, and um, it's good stuff. <laughs> really good stuff. I like, I like that beer. And um, but you know, I mean, like, I prefer like you know lighter beers over 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 certain darker beers, but um. The days of me like drinking like Bud Light, Miller Light, and stuff like that, I can't even touch that stuff anymore. Like I can't, I, I really can't. I'm serious because there's so much stuff. Out, there's so much different stuff out there to taste. So you know when I see like you know Bud Light try to come out with like Bud Light with lime, I'm like nah. I'm like you ain't getting me. You, you ain't getting me. You know. But what's crazy is on the like on, on the Bud side, what's crazy like um, a few years ago we went out to St. Louis 
for like a little mini vacation, and we went to like you know the the Bud the the, uh, the Budweiser Brewery, the official brewery, and they had this like section where they have like, you know, every single can and bottle for like you know beer or whatever beverage they they currently make, including juky ass shit like Hurricane, and that big forty ounce bottle that kills ghettos. And, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, that's the. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm serious, and they still make Bud Ice. What, mm. dude? They still yes, yes they still wow. they still make it, dude. I can I know at least three places near my house where you can buy it. All oh, right, that's what I live in the ghetto. Beware of the penguins, man. Beware of the penguins. Yes, they still make Bud Ice, and like they had some oh, stuff. They yeah. had some stuff over there. I was like looking, and I wish I took pictures of all this stuff because I'm like I was just amazed by the amount of product they make and after and after looking at over all that in the back of my mind i'm like i bet you only five percent of this stuff is actually good so it, it was well, what they do well what they do is they take the ideas from the you know american you know, from the craft brewers and then they try to mass produce it and as a way to hone in on you know the little guys oh yeah it's it's like they came out with their own um golden wheat beer and that was kind of like i'm like yo I can get like some two dollar honey brown and drink that down, and it tastes better than your, than this bud golden wheat. This is terrible. So you know what's really good? What's that? Zima. <laughs> did, 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 did you put a Jolly Rancher in it, Raph? <laughs> Purple drink. Purple just be, drink. Just, just because it's something different doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> yeah. No. Every everything's better when you add a Z to it, man. Yeah. Hey, speaking totally. of Zima, have y'all had its modern equivalent, Bacardi Silver? <laughs> no. Uh, I had those in high school. Those. It's malt beverage. That's all you can say. About it's it. alcoholic Sprite. That's all that shit is. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. terrible. They make me sick. Well, see, it, well, if you need if you need something sugary, I mean, there's plenty of beers out there that have either like a fruit taste to them or a sugar taste to them, just from the way that they're brewed. Like th- to, to give you an example, uh, there's a there's a Czechoslovakian beer that I tried at uh, at Yankee Stadium over the weekend. Uh, at their beers of the world, they actually have uh, Czech Var on tap, and it, it has a, a really sweet flavor to it, uh, it in, a, in a refreshing way. It completely took me by surprise because usually when I think, uh, you know, Russian beers or Czechoslovakian beers, I'm expecting something heavy Woodka. and very and very weedy, and this wasn't at all what I got from that. And it's it's something that you could totally drink during the summer and actually feel refreshed. So I mean, you just got to find something that that's appealing to you. If you want something fruity or sugary, it's out there. Just don't. Don't drink a Zima. I want my board. <laughs> what was the interest rate on your loan to buy that beer? Uh, eleven bucks. Ooh, damn. Yeah, I eleven know. buck. Eleven bucks for a beer on tap. I know you finished that damn beer. You're damn right. <laughs> Is that the beer we had? Uh, no, no, no. The, no, the, the one that we had uh, at the on Friday, we went. We had a, a Goose Island. Okay. Uh, at at Yankee Stadium, which was pretty good. But and, and and the beer, I'm pretty sure that the beer that uh, that Raph was talking about before was either the Sam Adams uh, Noble Pills or the Hefweizen, one or the other. I've uh, had I, I've had Hefweizen too. Hefweizen's good. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. That, yeah that's got a nice lemony uh, flavor to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like the uh, banana sl- and the clove tastes. That the, that the yeast give it. Have, have any of you guys seen the documentary Beer Wars? No. I, I, I you know strongly suggest you uh, rent it because again, it's one of those shows the how the craft brewers have to complete compete with uh, the major companies. So and it's it's it's, it's an interesting uh, watch. 
talk about just see it, see where you feel about this uh, subject right now. Something um, as far as comics go, something that you like about comics at this moment or dislike. So you know what? I'm going to start it off with Micah. Uh, Micah, you know what about oh. comics right now that that you like or dislike? All right, no. Um, I actually am stopping buying new comics now because DC is canceling everything I read. So I'm actually out of the new comics business, at least for now, at least for now. Mainly because I just can't afford to keep up with the rat race anymore. I just can't do it. Trying to follow the storylines or the events or what have you that keep going on and figure out like who's going to be where. And then it's just not worth it to me right now. And so it's like I can just check out here and be done with it for a while. So I take it you're going to be doing a lot of bin diving. Um, I got like, Three or four hundred some books that I haven't read that I just own sitting here somewhere. I'm going to finish reading those. I got trades that I bought that I haven't read yet. Like plenty of stuff that I haven't read that I can read to catch up. It'll be a year or two before I even need to buy a new book or whatever. Well, I still am buying all the trades for the Boom Kids books because they're 10 bucks and I can do that. Well, but, um, outside of, of that. And a lot of those books are good books, though. On the episode um, that, that's already aired, uh, by the time this episode airs, I talk about uh, the Donald Duck and Friends book. And um, good. yeah, so it's a really good book. I mean, granted, it's it's ported from overseas, and and um, it, it, and, and translated, but it's it's fun. It's good. The Italians write pretty good kids comics, so yeah, yeah, they got it on lock. The Mickey Mouse story was badass. See, I haven't gotten that far yet. I'm I'm kind of yeah, behind, uh, I'm kind of behind. Well, you totally said, Sean, huh? Who who did that? Was that Raph or Ian? Was that Raph? That was totally Ian. That was Raph. He's putting words in my mouth. Uh, uh, what are you talking about, Ian? Ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to move next to Raph because Raph works at a comic book store. Tell me, what is it that, at this time, what is it that you like or dislike about comics right now? Uh, honestly, from a personal perspective, I really love my childhood coming back to life. Between the Darkwing Duck comic from Boom. Between Darkhawk becoming relevant again and Shadowhawk coming back and all the, you know, all these image guys from the past starting to do stuff again. Uh, it's great. Marvel and DC, even though they're huge parts of the industry, they're not they're not the only thing that's out there. And, it, you know, indie people are still pushing whether it be people in Diamond or not in Diamond, you know, especially people like Sean Pryor, PKDA Media. Uh, just <laughs> that was so shameless there. The, my actually my favorite thing, though, is that there's a Jurassic Park co- comic coming out right now. You know, because you know what that represents? What it that represents represent? life finding a way. Why did I? Why did I let? You know what, man? I just like just lobbed you that softball, and you just knocked it the fuck out of the park. It's out of here. Home run. Life found a way. Stop it. Um, all right. You know what? I'm going to move to Chad. What say you, sir? Do we really need like five thousand? Batman, the road, or Bruce Wayne in the Road Home books, one shots. Hell yes. yes, you do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I know I'm going to buy them because I, you know Batman is one, you know, the character that got me into comics. But yes, really, he's not as bad. DC's not as bad yes, as Marvel. Oh, oh, yes. oh, really? Now, uh, really? How many, how many X books are there? Like eighty-two. How many yes. Blackest Night tie-ins were there? Seventeen. And there was that was still they still have fewer books put out than Marvel. They about yes. fifteen. <laughs> That's bull. They still put out. They still put out between ten to twenty less comics than Marvel does a month. I love yeah, them up the but, stairs. But, but most of the comic books that Marvel puts out aren't part of crossovers. How many fucking Deadpool comics do they put out a month? 
2005. That's become a joke of the industry right now. You know? And how many fucking Wolverine comics are there? How many? Uh, yeah, like, Adam, Adam, you, know what, you know what? You know, question for you. Question for and you. Like are they selling? Yes, they are. Actually, because they're Marvel them. zombies that buy them. I'm not arguing. Did I say it was a bad idea? No, I said they put out the shit ton. But before this turns into the McNeil Lair News Hour, um, <laughs> you're wrong. We're all wrong. <laughs> and, I, and I'm slowly uh, starting to not like uh, Keith Geffen's writing because every time I read either Doom Patrol or Booster Gold these days, I feel like I'm reading a freaking book. Yeah, and, and, and also, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You mentioned Booster Gold, so I, I got to comment on it real quick. This is not the Booster Gold that I like to read. I, I agree. It, it, like, like the, this, the Booster Gold that, I, that I've grown to appreciate is the Jeff John slash Dan Jorgens version that actually is competent, doesn't have to make a joke every three seconds, and hell, even Skeets was more mature in Dan Jurgens' run than what Giffen's been putting out so far. I'm dropping the book next issue if it doesn't improve, to be honest. I mean, I actually like, you know, the Dan Jurgens, Jeff John Trennan. I was uh, one of the ones who was hoping that uh, Booster Gold didn't make, was really dead in 52. Hey, guys, you know who aren't diehard Batman fans? Bruce Wayne's parents. <laughs> <laughs> that part is, I saw that kind of- <laughs> Oh God! I have have one more thing to say, and uh, it's about the the new Superman, the new storyline. Superman takes a walk. (laughs) But I mean, I read the—I haven't read seven hundred one, but I read the one in seven hundred, and basically, the lady says, "You weren't here to save my husband from cancer," and basically. they just covered that storyline and, you know, emo Supergirl, you know, and he told her, you know, you can't save everybody. And then he, you know, turns around and goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to go take a walk now. Didn't we get that same freaking story in uh, Superman for All Seasons? Yes. You guys don't like yeah. Forrest Gump? <laughs> Forrest, uh, no. I like Forrest Gump. And I read the preview online of 701 and, like, it seems like they rip off. Forrest Gump and Hancock within the first couple pages. Ooh, and, and and Chad, how about the fact that in that same issue seven hundred, he says to Louis, you know, Lois Lane says, "Never leave me again." And then, and then <laughs> by the time the book's over, he left her again. <laughs> well, well no, to, to be she fair, is a little whi- she is whiny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but he was back home for five minutes. To, to be fair to seven hundred one, though, it actually was kind of good. I, I I read it uh, the other day. Ian, go ahead, sir. You are next on, on the docket. I, I, I'll give you something that I'm liking and something that I'm not liking. How about that, all right? That's fine. All right. Um, something that I'm liking, um, I like the fact that Marvel actually wrapped up a storyline for once. Like, Sie- Siege actually did feel like a, con- a conclusion. You know, it, it felt like all the dangling plot points of the past couple of years were basically dealt with, and we're at a, we're at a new turning point for the Marvel Universe, and I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. First, first couple of issues of Avengers, even though it's, it's, it's Bendis, it actually feels like a new book. You know, it feels, it feels like a new direction. It feels like something that I haven't really read in an Avengers book since maybe even Busiek's run. You know, so, something that feels a little bit more cosmic in scale and, uh, and isn't, you know, just them at a coffee table talking about how life sucks. You know? I, I mean, Bendis does that pretty well, but... It, this this is definitely a different Avengers book, and I like that. And plus, we've got the grounded Avengers with new Avengers still, even though it's 
the new new Avengers that's new but newer than the new Avengers so newer event on oh, whatever <laughs> and Avengers uh, Academy has been pretty good so far it, it, it's actually and, and not just because of Mike okay probably is because of Mike McCone but I get a total Teen Titans vibe all right off of off of Avengers Academy and it reminds me at least a little bit in in tone to Jeff Johns and Mike McCone's Teen Titans and I'm liking that so far have you so been reading makes, Young Allies? I have, yes. That's been amazing as well. I'm oh, I like so, that's been a great book, yeah. Well, well it's got yeah. a it's got a solid writer. McKeever's a, a great writer. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and it, even better, it's McKeever back on, on Gravity. You know, I I mean I've been I've been waiting to see that for uh for damn, how long ago was Gravity now? Five years? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So I mean this this is really good and it makes me really happy with the Marvel Universe right now. Um as a negative, okay, I'll mention DC. <laughs> Yeah, all that fun stuff I was talking about in Marvel. Um, DC's kind of forgetting what the meaning of fun is in a lot of aspects. And it's making me drop a bunch of DC books because I don't want to read about a cyborg archer. You know, mm-hmm. I, like, I mean, what, what, what was what's been going on with Arsenal that used to be Red Arrow? I mean, it's just the way they went about that. That stuff was just <laughs> so dark and grew and dreary and. Ugh, like, oh come on! I'm, he was I'm, a titan. He was a titan. Yeah, he knew his life had to be fucked up. That'll teach him to join the Teen Titans. I know, right? <laughs> you know who's not a diehard Red Arrow fan? Who? His daughter. <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> oh, he went there. He so went there. Raph Raf is just bringing all the jokes this evening. He's like, I'm pulling all this shit out the bag. Fuck yeah, I, I've got like 16 pages of material right in front see, of me. This is what happens when he doesn't record for a while. He, he feels he needs to make up for it. Hey, you, know, yeah, you know, I got to do this but, here, but, but make it funny. But, but you know, I, the way that they went about killing the kid and the way that they went about getting rid of Star City and making it a freaking star shape like Central Park. I mean, it's just it's just doesn't work i mean i i was gritting my teeth reading rise of arsenal i mean like i i i i felt That's like you read in prison. about to spew from my mouth reading this comic book and i i am not going to pay money to a company that makes me feel that way and and then and then even worse than that ryan Choi. Ryan Shaw. <laughs> okay? I knew that was right. coming. So you're saying the wrong Asian died? So it should have been Raph? You're damn totally. right the wrong Asian died. No Asian okay. should die. No Asian There's should There's only die. four of us in comics. I agree. There's a billion of us out here. There's only four of us. What the hell? <laughs> I can think of more than us. No, I can't. Well, well, well cook, cook, cook. I mean, you, 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 take, you take a character that had become one of my favorites over the past five years. Why, thank you. Even You're though welcome. he hadn't been, even though he hadn't been in anything in like three, yeah. And whose fault is that? That's DC's fault. Uh, the fact that he's a horrible character. Excuse he's me. He's Asian. A boring Excuse character. Me? He was boring. Must not have been reading the same book I was, man. Because that's not how I feel at all. Oh, and and, and, no, and and guess what? No one else did either. <laughs> I read it, but that's for obvious reasons. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, you, you you kill him off just to make a splash in your Titans book that also no one's reading. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I think I call that murder porn. With my exact yeah, words. that's 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 pretty damn close. So it's just it's not making me very happy with the state of the DC universe right now, and it's 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 it's, it's really helping me cut my budget because I, I was looking to you know get my my comic spending down, and I'm I'm slashing like half my DC books. Because it's just not enjoying it anymore. Oh, so, come on. Don't yeah. you enjoy uh, Dan DiDio writing The Outsiders? 
can, can we just have an, an editorial mandate that editors just can't write? Like, I, I like metal, I like the Metal Men in Wednesday Comics, so Dan gave me that, which wasn't terrible. But mm-hmm. God, man, what's his ex, not execution? What is his name? Um, uh, the, the Eradicator. Eradicator. The Eradicator. Eradicator. That's my dude from the nineties or whatever. But good God, that shit's awful. Rocking them <laughs> Kumo D shades. I want those. Those are the greatest glasses ever. We all want but those. Real quick, oh, go, go ahead, like, Micah. The thing that weirds me out about it, though, is that like, well, they're trying. I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to go back and capture like comics the way they were in the eighties or whatever. In the sense that like they're bringing back the older characters and putting them in the spotlight because the readership that they have now is dwindling and it's the same ones that were reading books twenty years ago or whatever. But the way they're going, like I understand if you want to have like Palmer back as the Atom and do whatever and have Hal Jordan be the only Green Lantern worth his damn or anything like that. Like I get that, but the way they're going about it with just like the absolute maiming and destruction of all the other characters they brought up since then is kind of kind of disgusting and a little distasteful. And I know it may not be on purpose. But they are really going wholesale manslaughter on the minority characters, like in a mighty hard way. Like they're just, they're just taking them out left and right. And it's like, you may not mean to send the message, but you're sending a message regardless. Like you're saying that like, we can't be superheroes in this universe because you know we're just not readable enough because middle-aged white dudes don't want to read about minorities. You, like you're, you're, they're not trying you're, to say that, but they're saying it. Yeah, they're saying it. <laughs> well, Next up, you, the new Aqualad. Oh God. You still have Cal, we still get. You still have Cal Rayner. You're damn right. We still have Kyle Rayner. He ain't going nowhere. Right? He ain't going nowhere. Period. That's it. Kyle Rayner is not going to die, or I am going to whoop somebody's ass. Actually, on your on your uh, on your minority thing too. How well placed time wise was the announcement of the new Static book? Like right before Comic Con, so that when people go up there and say, "Well, well, why are you, why are you go, going down? Uh, you, you know, saying negative to all the minorities?" They're like, "Well, we have a new Static book. I mean, that that proves that that minorities are yay, right? <laughs> right?" Is Wayne writing it? No, no. Although, although it did catch me by surprise that they did have an African American actually writing the Static book, uh, Felicia Henderson, who okay. who is you know had a. What you say? But she sucks. Yeah, their their Titans run was wasn't the best. So like you know, I have my concerns. I you know, I have my I have I have my honest concerns about that. But it's like when the whole thing when they brought Milestone over, I was always a little bit apprehensive because I'm like, are you really going to use these characters? And then the whole fallout would oh I shouldn't say fallout, but just problems with the way that Dwayne McDuffie's treated. And we talked about it on this show before, and I won't go into it again. It's it just to really get static. When it was all said and done, you probably will never see the Milestone Universe again. They've it got. Sure won't. They've got. Did you the, read those books I sent you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. You know, they also brought the MLJ characters over, and you know, once to one, we also talked about this once on the show. How, um, like Donnie had brought it up. He said, you know, would have been better if the the Crusader characters, like the Shield and and Inferno and all those guys. Would they have just been better off just being in their own world and not incorporated into DC? And we had a, we had a pretty good talk about it. But and now the more and more I look at it, the more and more I think he was right. They should have been standalone characters. But see, but then there's that inherent fear of if we keep them by themselves, people won't take a look at them and they won't sell. So let's just incorporate them into the DC universe. And then they get every all the stuff started and all the stuff riled up, and then they take it all away. But here's a Crusaders book. <laughs> so the last two issues can be gone. Yeah, and so they it, need they needed one of them to uh you know guest star in the last couple issues of Magog. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's book ever. 
or or to be in one panel of Wonder Woman, uh, just so that Wonder Woman can say, "Oh, hey, look, there's the shield." And on, and on top of that, you know, you got the Thunder Agents coming soon too. Now, yeah. you know, and the Thunder Agents have been around for a real long time, and I'm and I'm wondering how they're going to treat that property. And like ass. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Because granted, right right now they're they're on the they're on the fence. Because like I said, I enjoyed the MLJ stuff with the Crusaders and whatnot. It's just the problem is it just wasn't selling. And a lot of that goes back to the issue of, and this is one of my, one of my, you know, like uh, dislikes, is with the major publishers putting out way too many books. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, I, I, for me, I just see, I, it, to me, it comes off better if you make less books and put more quality. You have you have a better chance to have even more quality with less with less product. So why saturate? But at the same time, if people keep buying the stuff. Why should Marvel and DC stop making all these books? It's market saturation, but you know, for like a lot of store owners, that makes them happy because these, these you know, they have the people that are the zombies that will go out and buy buy all these books, and you know, it just it just bothers me sometimes. You know what I mean? Well, when comparing the two companies, Marvel versus DC, when it comes to incorporating new characters from other companies, Marvel doesn't. DC does, and almost every time that DC does, except for. You know uh, the the occasional you know Captain Marvel and stuff like that where they where they merge those into the universes and it worked out all right in the end. You, usually Marvel shies away from that. The only big purchase that they've made in the past couple of years is Marvel Man, and that's going to work out once they figure out how they're going to do it. It's going to be epic, and it's one character versus like the five to ten that DC usually tries to throw into their universe at once. DC, through Wild, through its Wildstorm imprint, uh, produces a licensed book for this online game called Free Realms. Yes. Right? Uh, I don't know if you've heard yeah. of it. Maybe you've seen commercials for it. Anyway, so there's this game, uh, Free Realms. It has a comic. I guess it deals with the world of Free Realms. It also comes with a free downloadable code with each book for like some cool products or whatever. So uh, we get one copy in for, this, for the stand. Uh, let's say it comes out, let's say this month it came out July 14th. On August, August 10th, which is a month later, I'm putting that same, back, same issue in the back issues. And the, and the next issue is coming out that week. And then in September 5th, let's say, it's a month later, I'm taking that issue, putting it in the back issues. Because who the hell cares about Free Realms? The comic book. I mean, yes, there are Free Realms players. And, that's my, and, and that goes to the point of oversaturation. You've got a book on freaking Free Realms. <laughs> but I mean, my question... My my response to well, that, that is helps. how much do those people pay them to put that comic out? That's true. That's very true. That, and that's why we have that in Modern Warfare Two: Ghost, which actually I liked, which was really good. What they're trying to do is expand the market to people who they think might like comic books, but they're doing. But the problem is that people who play Free Realms don't leave the house, and so they can't get to the comic book store to buy the book. <laughs> and um, now we're going to move to John. Um, give me a like, like or dislike, or both. Mine is a very simple dislike, and that is the rise of the one creator being responsible for your universe. Basically, men, brother. I hate that. Bendis, Bendis, Johns, Morrison. It's basically you put one, maybe two at most, in charge of your entire universe. What if they have an off month, or what if they have writer's block? And I'm not going to drop Avengers. Then you're the problem. (laughs) Yep. If you don't like it, don't buy it. Collectors, God, uh, they're ruining the industry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I find a way to like my Superman books, so whatever.
before we close out the show, uh, one thing I wanted, to, one thing I did want to talk about for a while, but we just don't have enough time to do it, is uh, your favorite GI Joe, um, whether it be from the comics, toy line, or the cartoon. Um, so uh, do me a favor, real quick, before we close out, and just just give me the character. You don't have to say why, but just give me the character that is your favorite. If you were a Joe fan, and it could be from like I said, any genre. Um, I'm going to go first. I'm say Stalker. So there we go. What about you, Raph? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, WWE legend and personal favorite, Sergeant Slaughter. All right. Ian, what about you, homie? Uh, I'm going to cheap route, Storm Shadow. <laughs> I knew you'd pick a ninja. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I would pick a ninja if anyone here. Hey, That's my hey, goal. Hey, I, was tr- I was trying to be nice to you. Japanese, man. not Chinese, motherfucker. <laughs> Same difference. <laughs> uh, John, it's on you, player. W- w- what about you? Shipwreck. Okay, Micah? Damon Wayans. Oh, the Damon- oh yes! <laughs> yes! I should have said that. No. You, you mean Marlon no. Wayans? Is it Marlon? It's Marlon. <laughs> That's why it was the best choice ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Whatever. Oh, the right so way. Keenan Ivory Wayans. No. Uh, and, yeah, uh, him. Yeah. No. And, and Chad, what about you, sir? Uh, it's a toss-up between Low Light and Tunnel Rat. Oh, Low Light. That's one of my other favorites, too. Awesome. Uh, what you all say? I can say is a shipwreck, guy cover girl. That's all you have to say. <laughs> all right. Before we close out, I want to make sure that the people know um, where they can either catch you on the internets or um, and whatnot. Um, I'm going to start with uh, Chad. Now, Chad, do you have anything going on the internet, like a blog, a podcast, or anything um, like that? Well, uh, me and my uh, friend Mike, we've been recording a show. Uh, it's called These Nerds Are Right. Uh, we've done about eight shows. I don't know if he's had the time to put them up because he's you know, had some uh, changes in uh, job situation. So <laughs> he's, he might be behind on that. But uh, we, we, do, we try to do that every, you know, get together every two weeks. And other than that, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to convince my friend over in Boston to start a uh, podcast about home brewing. Oh, nice. Nice. You have to name it mm, Beer. <laughs> mm, home brew. <laughs> well, if you ever get that up and go and let me know. All right, will do. Because I definitely want to check that out. Now, Micah, what about you? Um, uh, any podcasts or blogs or anything like that? I got Geek Brunch, which is our podcast I do with Mike Myers and Bill Bomer. That's um, it's still going on. Hopefully, Mike will come back soon. My co-host, actually, who he's been doing it forever, has been working like seventy-hour weeks for the past I don't know month or two now, maybe mm-hmm. longer than that. Yeah, shit sucks. And I'm trying to hold the floor down until he gets back because I hate editing shit. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I got, <laughs> well, hopefully he'll be back I got soon. Geek Brunch. Okay, you got Geek Brunch. I hope All right. so. How about you, Ian. I, I I got nothing. I'm not on the internet at all. I don't I don't I don't even know how I'm on Skype right now. I, I just have. Uh, if you want to actually hear current no. shit, comic timing, speakgeekspeak.com/slash comic timing. Check it out. Uh, Ref, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, once every six years, I like to do a podcast called the Geeks Unite Network. It is essentially a podcast surrounding various forms of geekery. Okay, let's be honest. It's what I like. Uh, so I try to have co-hosts on that. Uh, I, I'm, I might be giving that up for a little bit to do my own podcast. I'll probably just put on the same feed and I'll call it the Raphcast. Well, episode one will be out probably pretty soonish. I'll try to record a, a regular Geek Unite episode, uh, probably about Scott Pilgrim or something like that. Oh, and, and, uh, and the sporting goods. Yeah, yeah, that other show. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, didn't 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 you do that like sixteen years ago? Shut up, at Brooklyn College. <laughs> Shut up, you suck, dude. You're old. Yeah, right. Oh, uh, but yeah, so, uh, you can check that out at uh, geeksnetnetwork.com, and you can check out my new blog where I talk about my writing at uh, rafradia.blogspot.com. Excellent. And John, we know about the Carol Chronicles podcast, and we also uh, I promise I have one that I'm going to be doing tomorrow. Oh, I promise I have dude. one allegedly. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, gentlemen, it's been great having you on this evening. We'll have you back on again sometime. In all seriousness, thank you for coming on. Pleasure, man. Stay Not yeah, thanks. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is available via iTunes, or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, XO one on the Rock Solid Steelbots, Agents of Colt, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard. Listen, this Patron was already half empty. <laughs> yeah. Raph, anyway. Raph, if you make this podcast difficult to edit, I swear to God, I'll come up to New York and I will choke you. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be coming to New York and New York Comic Con, bigger and better for 2010. Come to Jacob Javits Center October 8th to the 10th. <laughs> I know, like, you know, there's some people that on that talk about this show and say, well, you know, this show is awfully positive. And, you know, but so I'm, it's just my show. That's the way I swear I want to do it. If I want to be positive, I want to be positive, unless I want to rant, rant about Superman Returns. But um, <laughs> you, 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 you do that on my show. You don't do that on your show. I know. I know. I know. I'm glad, that's the why I'm not going to the popping in the jello pudding. We're not talking about Bill Cosby in the watermelon jello soup. We're not talking about that shit tonight. <laughs> We're not going there. We're going to talk about things. What we- episode was that? Uh, well, I forget which episode of Comic Timing that was. No, no, no. What happened was was that that uh, that comment that I made got saved and it got put on like a best of, uh, a best of. Uh, it, it was it was great moments in Comic Timing history. I, I, I put that on. Uh, I believe you see there episode one hundred part one or part two. I was on that. Yeah, at the very end. Because uh, because uh, this was this was pre-show conversation that I wound up saving, and uh, then then put it out so that people would know exactly how Mr. Pryor feels about watermelon jello. Yeah, that was some bullshit. They made Bill. Cosby. I like water. I liked watermelon jello. No, no, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with watermelon jello. I'm talking about what they put Bill Cosby through to sell some fucking watermelon jello. That's some bullshit. You see? You see? Hey, you know what? He fucking cashed that check. So you know what? Fuck Bill Cosby. <laughs> Man, he had a lifetime contract with Jello. He ain't have no choice. It was like, it was like, do the commercial. We go tell folks about your illegitimate child. Which one? One? Which you see? one? They're probably holding one of his kids hostage or something. Yeah, I had seven. Team. Order- do we really want to know where they're going to put the Jello pudding pot? No, stop. Anyway, so so yeah, as you were saying, good and bad comics, right? Um, um, yeah. One good thing came out of Super came out of Final Crisis. One, and that I was the return. Up. No, that was the return of uh, the Legion full time. Okay, Ooh, fuck them. <laughs> Actually, I like the Legion. <laughs> <laughs>
they put my people in an island in the mystical time zone or whatever. So, ah, uh, they can go. They, uh, I don't do that shit. <laughs> All the black folks in the, in the future Fuck of the universe are on an island somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> they still have Ty- they still have an invisible kid. Tyrock. Yeah. <laughs> Tyrock. I read that story and about died. Invisible kids. Have invisible kids. I want to talk about this whole thing with um, Hollywood's 3D craze, um, you know, to extort or make more money, um, to to make more money uh, via the box office. Now, here's my whole thing. You're going to make these 3D movies. I understand that, like I said before, Avatar is a 3D movie, okay? It was filmed in 3D. That's a pure 3D film. There have been some animated features that were built and made for 3D that were also 2D. Understandable. But when you see Avatar's box office receipts and then you take a print of Clash of the Titans, a 2D print, and then go make a crappy 3D conversion of it and sell it, and it makes like $130 million in the in the U.S. when it was critically panned. The main reason why it made $130 million is because they had 3D showings. That's the only reason why they made that money. So now you're probably going to get a sequel. And the film isn't really that good. But, um, but that's all because of 3D, 3D sales. That really helps. So now you have you know, all these people. You've got you know, theaters now dictating to to studios saying, hey, we need X amount of 3D movies per year so we can fill these seats for these 3D theaters because we spent the money on this technology. And, you know, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. I mean, look, I, you know what? I'm not going to say anything bad about this Green Hornet movie because, you know what? I haven't seen it yet. I just seen a trailer. Trailer doesn't mean anything to me nowadays. But do you really need it in 3D? Seriously? Yes. <laughs> yes. Did, no. Did, did you really need The Last Airbender in 3D? Oh. Uh, yes. <laughs> 100%. No. No, you did not. Oh, come, come on. Gone, Step up. Momo. All right. Last Airbender. All right. You want me to? You want me to go on a quick rant, Sean? Because I, I'll, I'll make it quick. I'll, I'll try. I'll try not to last twenty minutes on this shit. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Go. La- la- last Airbender, a two D movie that was made even darker than it was originally intended by the three D conversion. You couldn't see shit. It didn't add anything <laughs> to the print whatsoever. And M Night Shyamalan is a horrible director. Oh my god. Oh my and god. And they took out all the good parts. They, they took out all the good parts. They left in all the crappy parts. It was one of the worst movies I have seen in my life. It's the cartoon without a soul. And I've seen Batman and Robin multiple times. Don't no, la 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 that movie never happened. La 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 la. And you've seen Rocky 5. And I've seen Rocky hey, oh, you just got to make money. You know, you got to make the money. West Airbender is such a travesty. And you know what? It's going to get sequels because of the goddamn 3D making it money. And it has a less than 20% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay? There are porns that have more than 20%. Hey, listen, don't, you, don't you talk bad about my porn. <laughs> don't you do it. So, yeah, I, I, Last Airbender pisses me the hell off. At least I have the sequel to the animated series to look forward to, which got announced today, which is going to be badass. I can just focus on that. Legend of Korra coming in 2011 on Nickelodeon. As Watch we look it. at Appa. Yes. How much extra are 3D movies up there? Um, it all depends uh, on where you're at. Go ahead, go ahead, Ian. 
Yeah, for us, for us, it's what uh, sixteen for regular, eighteen for three D. No, I think it's 15, 14, 15 for regular, okay. and and eighteen for. So it's actually yeah. three, four dollars. Right yeah, there. so we're we're, we're yeah. paying a, at least a four dollar premium here, and and what they should be letting you do, which they said they were going to at first, and then they reneged on it, is that you could return your three D glass. I mean, that if you still had three D glasses, you could just go in with your three D glasses and not pay the extra charge. And like literally, like two days after they announced that when 3D movies uh, first like existed, they they said no, we never said that. No, what they should do is allow you to take a poop on the original print <laughs> of the 3D movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because I, I, I mean, I have I have so many 3D 3D glasses lying around now from the showings that I've been to that I could just bring them with me and not pay the extra money and then just go in and watch it in 3D and I'd be fine. But right. no, I gotta pay four bucks for a new pair every time, which sucks. Well, you don't yeah. put them in the bin like you're supposed to. No, because God damn it, I paid money for that. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, Malco down here, we're, they have somebody standing there as you're coming out saying, put it in. <laughs> They're like Disney on that. They're like, put it in. <laughs> put your glasses in the container. Put it in the Disney vault. Do it now. Now, see, now, another thing we need, to, another thing this industry really needs to look out for, and even Katzenberg has said it. Katzenberg has said, look, stop the, th- stop the bad. 3D conversions because even Warner Brothers has quietly stated that that 2D convert that 2D to 3D conversion of Clash of the Titans was shitty, but they wanted to capitalize on that 3D market because Avatar made that cash. Yep. Y- you know what I mean? People can't tell. You know, no, see, smart people can tell, but the problem is, is that you know the way movies work now because, like I said before, you've got theaters talking to studios and studios talking to theaters saying. I need this this many seats filled this week. I need this many seats filled this week or this week or that week. It's no longer in a lot of aspects about the film, the quality of the film per se. It's just can you fill a seat? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that like all you know all movies are bad because they're not. They're, you know there's 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 good stuff. There's bad stuff. And that's going to be in any any type of uh, medium that you deal with. But it's just that the game has changed. The game has changed completely because it's you know it's, it's all about di- dictating and filling seats, and that's a major problem. And Katzenberg has said this: don't turn 3D into a, into a cash cow because you're going to lose it. And then studios don't get it; they don't get it because now everything you watch all these commercials nowadays, it's like in 3D and 2D and 3D and 2D. I'm like, really? Well, you, come on, you, you know have to watch uh, cats and dogs in 3D, 3 uh. and 3D. <laughs> When you watch the 2D version, you can go, yeah, this was made a 3D. Uh, here's my favorite, okay? The movie Shrek 3, which was called Shrek 3D, and then they had a fourth one in 3D. Oh. It wasn't so in four D or in three D. <laughs> yes, it was in four D this time, obviously. But no, what 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 really worries me, Sean, and and I don't know if you agree or disagree, but the two D to three D conversions that they have planned for Thor and Captain America that worries the hell out of me about these movies. Yeah, because there's more stuff that's worrying me about Thor than just the three D conversion. Can I just say three things about three D real quick? Okay. All right. One. This is to just be totally fair, objectively, it's going to get better because I don't know if you guys remember, Warner Brothers said that uh, the third Batman movie and the Superman reboot reboot are going to be made for 3D. <laughs> so once they start doing this stuff in actual 3D, 3D, it'll get better. So we just have to go through these growing pains. No, Two, no, 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 no. Batman 3 is not going to be in 3D. I don't know where you heard that, but IMAX. That's, that's, that's been... Oh, IMAX. I'm, I'm in IMAX. I'm sorry. Yeah. They're yeah, IMAX. That makes, I was about to say that makes no sense unless he's swinging. 
Okay, so then never mind that point. Uh, I went to see Toy Story in 3D, and the first theater crapped out on us, and we had to get a refund. And then the second theater we went to, um, the 3D wasn't working on time. So there's a lot of problems with that. And the third one, and then the final point I'm going to make is, some of these 3D movies suck. <laughs> right. Like, okay, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, there's this movie coming out called The Owls of Gaul. And like Legend it looks of the Guardians. Cool. Yeah. I love those books. Yeah. I, I like the, the I heard sequels, the books are okay. uh, Pen- Pigeons. The, my my thing is it's it, the trailer is so pandering to like 3D and the music and the everything and I hope that movie dies a horrible fiery death. Lord of the Rings Owl is going to make Jesus 45 trillion dollars. <laughs> and I'm going to stab everyone that sees it. And the thing is most of the 3D movies I'm are sorry. you know most of the 3D movies are like geared towards kids who, you know, if you watch them while you're in there, can't even keep the stupid glasses on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Well, they take them off. Yeah. <sighs> so I can't see 3D, so it doesn't matter to me anyway. <laughs> like my eyes don't work for 3D at all. And see, for- I got death issues. <laughs> See, and for me, for for me, 3D movies don't really. It doesn't really work for me because I have glasses. So until they can make glasses or some type of conversion to put over over my glasses, there's no point. Yeah, I, I look yeah. like such a goddamn dork because I'm wearing those 3D glasses on top of my real glasses. So I've got Clark Kent glasses on top of my glasses. And, I mean, if you, one of these things, I'm just have to snap a picture of myself, put it up on my Facebook wall, and just like write "dork" across it because that's how I feel every single time that I'm that I'm inside of a 3D movie. Next time you're in a 3D movie with me, I'm gonna look at you and just laugh the whole time. I'm not gonna watch the movie. I, I, I'm not surprised by this. eighteen dollars well spent. I said that's how it was for me when I watched Spy Kids 3D in the theater. Oh, hey. <laughs> shit was gold. Hey, oh, I'm taking you kids down, you know. Hey, but see, <laughs> stop it. See, but but see, at least with Robert Rodriguez when he did Spy Kids 3D, he was doing it like you know trying to bring it back before you know before the industry caught went went to it, and that, that was how many years ago? You know that dude's always ahead of the game. Or, and he spent, and he probably spent about two million dollars, made about fifty. Yeah, because th- that's how he works, man. Yeah, and that's that's how he works, and I really wish more studios or you know or more of these studios would like they don't have to. You know, copy him, but they need to understand how he built how he builds films inexpensively. It makes him look good. I'm not talking about Shark Boy and Lava Girl because that's just awful. But I'm talking <laughs> Taylor Lautner was in that movie. Don't knock yeah. it. Yeah, that was that was that was written by his kid. So you know yeah. that's that you got to say that yeah. about the movie. No, no, and I, I really? just, yeah. I understand. Wow. It's, I understand that film's purpose. Okay, I do. I understand that film's purpose. I know it's not built for me. I know it's not, and that's cool. And I'm fine with that. If it, if, yeah. if kids really dug it, that's cool. If I was a parent, they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Listen, but, if Hollywood follows Robert Rodriguez and makes more movies like Machete, I say right on. Machete. Yeah. 